a thousand people listening to us last night. So shouts out to everybody for just an absolutely fantastic job. Uh, just wanted to take a moment and, and share uh, a few thoughts with you all about today's activities. We're going to have uh, not only this wonderful general session that's going to be videoed today, but we're also going to have an opportunity for our prime time, first of our prime time shows each evening throughout the week. And tonight's prime time show will be dedicated to the audio description project and a wonderful industry panel where we will have representatives from six or seven of the largest companies uh, in America that are in the uh, streaming and cable industry to talk about the latest and greatest that's going on with audio description. And that's going to be hosted by our ACB Audio Description Project co-chair, Carl Richardson. Uh, also, as we work through today, we're going to have a combination of live and video presentations. Hopefully it'll feel seamless to you, but again, this is our first opportunity in this area. So if you hear any momentary pauses, please be patient. We will be working through it. We're gonna hear from scholarship winners. We're gonna hear presentations on our ACB angels. We're gonna hear from some of our wonderful uh, staff members, and then we're gonna have some special guests. So we really are excited about today's general session. And I would like to go ahead and officially call the 2020 ACB 59th Annual Conference and Convention back out of recess and back to order on Monday, July 6th, 2020. And now I would like to take this opportunity to present to you Pastor Peter Heidi from Baraboo, Wisconsin, home of the Circus Museum. Pastor Peter is a uh, advisory board member for disability for the Evangelical Lutheran Church. Evangelical. Uh, Peter, thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to your invocation. Good morning, ACV. As we get, continue on our path to the future, that is a path that is unknown. Um, I am reminded that this, in the year of 2020, that uh, the year of perfect vision, who could have seen this a year ago? In my recent readings, I've been reading uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram Kendi, and uh, he makes the distinction between danger and fear, that when we hear don't be afraid, it is not to say don't acknowledge danger. And as I thought about how we got here, how many of us would have gotten to Schomburg in the first place, that many of us might have used services of the FAA. And so um, I would like to offer a different FAA for us to fly on as we travel this path into the future of fear, of adventure, and of advocacy. Ibram Kendi tells us that fear is a choice. Danger is a reality. We need to choose whether or not fear is going to be our response to the danger ahead of us, to those things that would stand in our way of progress. From Helen Keller, the Helen Keller uh, presentation yesterday, we heard that life is, is either a daring adventure or nothing. 
And from our president, Dan, last night, we heard that ACB is about doing advocacy. So fear, advocacy, uh, adventure, and advocacy, I think should be our FAA flying rules as we go ahead. Understanding that fear is one of those things that um, this is the fourth time that I've been blind and that uh, fear is one of those things that uh, fear of being lost or fear of losing things. And over the years, we have found ways to help us overcome those fears and help us into that world of adventure that we have used canes and dogs. We use our Victor Treks or Be My Eyes, Ira, and in my house most recently and most often, it's usually honey or cutie pie or Sue. We, under, we need to understand that this path of into the future is not something that we do alone, but it is something that we do together. And in the great family of ACB, we are assured that this time is ours. I invite you to, to join me in a prayer called the prayer of good courage. Lord God, you have called your people to ventures of which we cannot see the endings by paths as yet unknown, through perils as yet unimagined. Give us good courage to go out, not knowing where we go, but only that you lead us and that your love sustains us. Amen. Peter, thank you for those very inspirational words. Now we want to hear the Pledge of Allegiance. Today's pledge is going to be led from two of our J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows, Saja Kerala from Honolulu, Hawaii, and Marilyn Ann Schechter from Windsor Mills, Maryland. Please. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Saja and Merrill. Now we have an opportunity to hear from the woman I affectionately call the Energizer Bunny. Uh, this is our presentation of our ACB convention sponsors. And I want to introduce Marjorie Beeman, our convention sponsor coordinator from Austin, Texas. Marjorie. Thanks, Mr. President. Good morning to all. Thanks to all our sponsors as follows. Diamond Sponsors, 25,000. Microsoft, Virtual ACB Educational Recreational Tours. Google, ACB Conference Banquet. J.P. Morgan Chase Conference Communication Center. Then the Pharmaceutical Convention Announcements. Emerald Sponsors, 15,000. Charter Communications, ACB Radio Afternoon Broadcast. Bisparo, Virtual Information Technology Help Desk. Comcast, Virtual Information Desk. Ruby Sponsors, 10,000. AT&T, ACB Auction. Facebook, ACB Scholarship Mentoring Program. Regal Foundation, ACB Link, Health and Wellness, and ACB Walk. Adobe, Continuing Education Credit. Arcon, Conference Registration. Amazon, 
Audio Description Project, Verizon Media Performing Arts Showcase, Verizon Membership Monday and Transportation, Sprint Accessibility and Sprint Vision, T-Mobile, ACB Podcast through December 2020, Onyx Sponsor, 5,000, National Industries for the Blind, NIB, Advocacy and Employment. Democracy Live Incorporated, ACB Governance Policy and Constitution and Informational Access, ARA Video Presentation Consulting, Humanware Convention Connect Sponsor, Macro Degeneration, ACB Walk, and Be My Eyes. Topaz Sponsor, 3000. Track Phone Wireless Incorporated official sponsor of all general sessions. Buell Fund, Recreation Zone, and ACB Walk. Pearl Sponsors, $1,000. Library Users of America, Lua, Talking Book Narrator, American Logistics, Affiliate President's Seminar. Lainey Feingold and Linda Dadarian, Audio Description of Fourth of July Fireworks. Thanks to all of our sponsors. You have helped make our ACB virtual conference and convention a success. And thank you, Marjorie. Isn't it exciting? I mean, at a time when we have a coronavirus, you really learn who your true partners are with inside the blind and visually impaired community. Special thanks to all our partners who have who've stood by us and made this the successful convention that it's going to be because of their kind and generous contributions. Next, we'd like to hear from one of those diamond sponsors with a presentation. This is Google and their presentation is going to be done by Eve Anderson, Director of Accessibility at Google from Mountain View, California. Welcome, Eve. Hi, everyone. My name is Eve Anderson. I'm Director of Accessibility at Google. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much to ACB Radio for having me on. I just want to talk for a few minutes about accessibility at Google, some of the things that are going on right now. Accessibility is really core to what we do at Google. In fact, it's part of our mission statement and it's foundational to our values as a company. Our CEO Sundar Pichai said, technology's great promise is to give everyone the same power to achieve their goals. As long as there are barriers for some, there's still work to be done. And that's so true. That's why personally I got into the field of accessibility because I strongly believe that it's important to level the playing field for everyone. I'd like to tell you about a few product updates that we've launched recently at Google. One is on the Android phone. It's a new keyboard for typing Braille on Android and it launched in April. What's cool about it is that it's directly integrated into Android so you don't have to connect a separate hardware device. We worked with people who use Braille on a regular basis so that we could develop the feature in a way that feels natural to people. It uses the standard six key layout and each key represents 
one of six braille dots and when they're tapped you can make any letter or symbol. So for example, if you want to type an A, you'd press dot one or if you want to type B, you'd press dots one and two together. So this keyboard can be used anywhere that you would normally type on your phone and it allows you to delete letters and words, add lines, and submit text. I hope that you like it. We also, a few months ago, launched voice guidance in Google Maps. This launched in October. And it was created by a blind Google employee named Wakana Sugiyama, who works in our Tokyo office, along with some of her colleagues. What it does is it gives more detailed voice guidance and new types of verbal announcements for walking trips when you're using Google Maps. It proactively lets you know that you're on the correct route, the distance until your next turn, and the direction that you're walking in. As you approach a large intersection, it can even give you a heads up to cross with caution. Wakana said that it helps her to navigate the streets of Tokyo with more comfort and confidence, and it can help her explore new and unfamiliar places that she might not feel comfortable exploring otherwise. Another thing we launched also in October is get image descriptions from Google. And this is a feature in Google Chrome that you can use if you decide to opt into it. For those of you who use screen readers, you know that the screen reader relies on whoever developed the web page to provide a description of the image. Otherwise, it reads something that's not very useful. Depending on the screen reader, it could be something like image or unlabeled graphic or, or just reading the file name, which sometimes doesn't make any sense. So what this does is it uses computer vision to try to identify objects and describe them. So for example, one description could be, appears to be person playing guitar on the sofa. So of course it's better if the person who developed the web page adds the image description. They know the context, they know why they included the image in the first place. That's why we've created a lot of automated testing tools to alert developers to that issue if they've forgotten to include labels for their images. But if they don't, this is a backup plan that you can use. One of our goals while testing it was to make sure that the images are not just correct, they're actually useful to people. So we, we hope that you find it to be useful. In the days of coronavirus that we're all experiencing right now, many of us are working from home, are being educated from home. And so we've also, in, in addition to creating these new features, we've been working on new content to help both learners and educators Think of ideas for how to use technology to make the learning experience more accessible. To that end, we've written two posts on the Google blog to help. One is called Chromebook Accessibility Tools for Distance Learning, and the other one is called Accessibility Ideas for Distance Learning During COVID-19. I thought that it could also be useful to give you a little bit of insight into some of the processes that we've put into place at Google 
in addition to the, the product updates? Because it's really these processes that keep accessibility going. You don't want to create something that's accessible and then have it backtrack. That's just really frustrating and it doesn't work well for anybody. We all know that it's important to incorporate accessibility from the beginning of the product development life cycle. And we also know that accessibility is the job of everyone. We do have hundreds of people at Google whose full-time jobs are to work on accessibility. But we also know that it just has to be incorporated into everybody's jobs so that people are building the right thing from the beginning. So to that end, some of the things that we've done process-wise at the company, uh, one of those is education. We make sure that all of the new hires who work in engineering and product management and user experience design or testing, that they go through accessibility training during their first two weeks on the job. And we have over a dozen other courses that people work on products that Google can take. Some of this we've released externally as well. For example, we have a course called Web Accessibility by Google, and we also have pretty extensive documentation on how to do accessible Android development. Accessibility is something that we need to have really broad awareness across the company. And while we have a constant drumbeat of internal announcements and activities, there's one really special week each year that we call Accessibility Week, where we have a lot of events across the world. And this last year, over 12,000 Google employees participated in events in 44 different offices, and our CEO was able to also kick off the week. So that was just really exciting to see an increasing level of participation every single year. We're also working on incorporating accessibility into standards. For example, the material design standard is one that is used by designers around the world to develop the look and feel and interaction patterns of web and mobile applications. And we have incorporated accessibility into that extensively throughout the entire design language. We're also really happy to be participating in various groups within W3C to further accessibility standards. We work on tools and frameworks that are used by both Google employees and by developers around the world. And the goal is to incorporate accessibility so that it becomes something natural for developers to do. So for example, we have Android testing tools and libraries that we've developed. We have a standalone app called Accessibility Scanner, which is available on Android. And that can be used by anyone who wants to test an app. You don't have to be an engineer to use it. We also have released testing libraries on iOS, and of course, accessibility checks built into Chrome. We have partnerships with many different organizations. ACB is a really important partner for us. We also really appreciate being able to work with the community. We have so many people who come in or remotely participate in user research or our trusted testers who get early access to Google products and have provided so much 
really helpful feedback. We're grateful and we've learned so much and incorporated so much of what people have told us. We participate in many different conferences. 2020 is kind of a strange year, but last year over 300 Google employees attended accessibility-focused conferences. We also have a disability support team that can provide support on any Google product to people with disabilities. It's a dedicated team that is focused on helping people with disabilities and it's completely free. You can get help by email, by chat, by Be My Eyes is one of the most popular methods of getting support. And as soon as this coronavirus pandemic lets everybody get back to work, we'll be able to return to providing phone support. I'd also like to tell you a little bit about what we do to make Google a great place to work for people with disabilities. We believe that all employees deserve a level playing field. And from a practical standpoint, we know that having a diverse workforce leads to better products. For employees, we have a team dedicated to making sure that the internal software that we use to do our work is accessible. Of course, in addition to our own software, we procure third-party tools like JAWS or like Dragon Naturally Speaking for people. We have an accessibility service team that helps people select or configure software. In terms of office space, we have people who work on standards and on improving configurations to help our employees with disabilities. And we have people like sign language interpreters and personal assistants who help employees who need that. One of the things I'm proud of is that even though we're mostly working from home right now during this time of coronavirus, the people who provide these services for our Google employees are still doing so just remotely. We also want to make sure that job candidates have a great experience. And we have a team called the Candidate Accommodations Team that helps make sure that interviews are done in an accessible way and that if a candidate needs a different way of having the interview done, then we can accommodate that for them. And we've done that many, many times. We have an internal employee resource group called Disability Alliance that I'm part of with over 2000 members across the company. And this is a great forum for people to get support and to learn from each other. Well, I think I'm about out of time. So again, I just want to thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to talk with you. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit google.com accessibility, and you can also get in touch with us there. Also, if you do want to be part of this user research, then we have a special link for you, which is g.co slash user research slash join 20. But if it's hard to remember that, then you can always just visit google.com accessibility and you'll find it through the website. Thank you so much and have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Eve. What a wonderful presentation and what a tremendous sponsor Google has been for all of our uh, activities here at the convention for, for many, many, many years. And I wanna give a special shout out to Google who has gone that extra mile 
and sponsors each year for us a project between the American Council of the Blind, the National Park Service, and the University of Hawaii. The Unity project has now received over $200,000 in funding from Google over the past four years. And with that, we have been able to audio describe over 100 visitors brochures across this wonderful country of ours. The mission still has a long way to go, but we could never do it without a great partner like Google. So thank you, Eve. Next, we are going to hear from John Huffman, our Constitution and Bylaws Chair, about our unique situation to hold a business meeting during this year's virtual convention. So thank you, John. You listened to the March 30th ACB board meeting or have been following other sources, you're aware that ACB canceled this year's conference and convention and decided to hold a virtual event. The 2020 conference and convention had been scheduled to be held in Schaumburg, Illinois, and we hope to hold a conference there in the near future. As COVID-19 is still very much with us, opting for a virtual event seemed to be the only way to hold an event this year. Since there will not be an actual conference and convention, there will be none of the usual business such as constitution and bylaw amendments, election of candidates for office, and there is a revised procedure for the board to address resolutions of an urgent nature. A lot of life seems to be improvised in our current situation, but I feel that ACB will be able to continue its vital work of advocating for our members and for the entire blind, low vision community which we serve. Thank you, John, and thank you for clarifying our constitution and bylaws and how it, interf it, it, how it works uh, or interfaces with this year's virtual convention. John mentioned one thing that I want to share with you, and that was the fact that we have worked very hard through our advocacy steering committee and our advocacy director uh, of, uh, excuse me, our ACB Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, Clark Rackful, to put a process in place where we can still present resolutions to this convention. And so if you have a resolution uh, that you wish to, uh, to bring forth to our ACB board, of, ACB board of Directors, please contact Clark Rackful, or you can write your resolution to advocacy at acb.org, or get in contact with Gabe Griffith or Jill Noble and let make them aware of your resolution. We will be accepting resolutions through the close of the convention on July 10th, Friday, July 10th. Uh, these resolutions will be reviewed by the resolutions committee for a pass or do not pass recommendation and then forwarded on to our ACB staff uh, for further clarification and conversation and then will be presented to our ACB Board of Directors on August 27th at our telephonic board meeting for a pass or do not pass vote, as well as a prioritization of this year's 2020 resolutions. So thank you to John. Also want to indicate to everybody that we had five ACB Board of Directors positions and three Board of Publications positions that were up for election this year. All eight of those wonderful outstanding leaders have agreed to continue on in their terms until we have a chance to meet 
face-to-face -face in Phoenix, Arizona in 2021. So thank you to our leaders and John, thank you for that very informative report. Next, it's time to celebrate our ACB angels. And for today's tribute, I would like to introduce Tony Stevens to introduce today's presenter. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Mr. President, and good morning, everybody. Good morning, everyone in the, in the live audience attending this and as well to everybody listening through the streams. My name is Tony Stevens, the Director of Development with the American Council of the Blind, and I'm very fortunate to run one of our programs that does a significant amount of recognition for former past members of ACB. You know, last night during President Spoon's report, uh, he talked a lot about you know, a sense of everything that's been going on the past three or four months Late and all the work that so many of our volunteers are doing. Lost a great advocate. So please welcome David Trott. He's gonna share a little bit about one of those people that passed away last dad. year, one of our giants, great John dad. Granger. We lost Johnny Granger last three years old. And for those of you associated with the National Industries for the Blind and who were around the American Council of the Blind in the 80s and, and early 90s, this name is not a stranger to you. Johnny served the blindness community from late in the 1940s, where he attended the Alabama School for the Blind. Johnny immediately became an advocate for blind people, and he did a lot of great work. And I'm going to share some of that with you today. In the late 1950s, the Alabama Industries for the Blind was close to failing. They hired a young man to come in and take over and run that industry named John Granger. John brought that industries up to not only serving and employing more, more and more blind people, but what he also did is he made it successful. He left there and went to a little town in Mississippi called Hazelhurst, where he took an industries there and did the same thing all the way up into the 90s. But he didn't just do the work with the industries. He worked with the National Industries for the Blind. He came up with the brand Royal Made, which is a national brand now. And that brand, to be called Royal Made, had to have a certain quality. Johnny was an excellent businessman, but he was a tight businessman. He wanted you to do your job and do it right. Quality was of the utmost importance to Johnny. But Johnny was not just a businessman. He was an advocate for blind people. He was always looking for new opportunities for the blind. He worked extremely well with vocational rehabilitation services where he got out and he spoke. Uh, Johnny was an excellent speaker. And he, he would talk to different groups and tell them things that blind people could do that in this time and age were unknown to a lot of people. As we sit around today, we think nothing about what blind people can do because we know they're out doing it. But at that time, uh, it was a struggle for blind people. And Johnny was in the front of this struggle. Johnny was a leader without taking a leadership role. Johnny, Johnny never sought to be president. He never sought uh, this honor or that honor, although he received many honors over his lifetime. He did some great work for the uh, ACBES, that's our Enterprise and Services Program, back at a time that it was new. He helped bring that on board. He served on the ACBES board for many years. Um, he was a colleague with Leroy Saunders, and they worked well together. John had friends all over the place, and his friends became his family, although he had a big family. And his children, even though they're not blind, carry on John's beliefs. Uh, he brought on his son-in-law, Billy Sparkman, 
who ran the Alabama industries for the blind for many years. So he, even though John had retired, his work ethic survived through his son-in-law. And now through his son, Roy, who has went to work here, he worked in Mississippi and now he works here in, in Alabama. And this legacy um, cannot be duplicated. It is an amazing amount of, of life of work that John Granger had. But not only was he a good worker and a good advocate, Johnny was a good friend and family member. And I know the guys around here would really tar and feather me and want to ride me out on a rail if I didn't tell you about the bad boys. <laughs> now, the bad boys sounds kind of, you know, these guys going to be in trouble with type thing, but they weren't. <laughs> the youngest bad boy was in his late 40s, so you can get an idea of what they were. And they went to breakfast every Wednesday morning. They were involved in local politics. They'd always talk about the local politics and blindness because Johnny, Johnny would go to an extreme level of poking and prodding and having fun with people. But always, anytime he did anything, the interest of the blind was in his makeup. So you always knew it was there. The one thing that I can say about Johnny, Johnny was a big influence on my life. Uh, back in the early 80s, uh, I was in the vending program and he tried to recruit me to come to work for him. And I would have loved to work for him, but I didn't want to move. And I had a career of my own. But Johnny's influence on me kept me working for the blindness community locally and later on nationally. And when it got to the point in his life that he couldn't go to the national convention, Rhonda and I couldn't be home but a few days before Johnny called and say, how is uh, Billie Jean or how is Bunny or how is this one that he knew? How is Otis? You know, he knew people everywhere. It always astonished me the number of people that John knew. But John really loved to entertain and he loved to get out and have fun. One of the funnest part of my life is watching his daughters. John would set these breakfast up somewhere, like at a Cracker Barrel or something. And one of his daughters would say, well, how are you going to get all these blind people there? He'd say, well, y'all are not doing anything this weekend, so we'll have you take them. So they would immediately, if they had something on their calendar, work to get it changed because they all really loved their dad and they worked hard to make sure that his quality of life after his retirement, when he was in his 80s, never changed. Up until about the last year of his life, John was outgoing and doing and always having a good time. I will share one more little funny story. Johnny, Johnny loved a good joke. It could be on him or on one of his friends. We sat down at a place in Mississippi one, one Thursday night to have dinner. Some of us had come in on a trip to the range. And they came out and started singing happy birthday to Ruby. Well, Ruby was his mother. And we had a friend named Ruby that was with us. And so the two Rubies looked at one another and said, it's not my birthday. It's not my birthday. But what he had done, he had had them saying happy birthday to both of them. And neither one of them had a birthday that day. That was the kind of pranks and fun that Johnny had. And people loved it. But the best thing that Johnny did for all of us is he left a legacy of avocation, a good work ethic, and love for family and friends. And I appreciate the opportunity to let for you letting me share a few of these stories with you today because I want you to remember the John Granger I knew.
the one who loved, the one who gave, and the one who will be greatly missed. Thank you. Thank you, David, for those wonderful comments and the tribute uh, to Johnny Granger. Next, we want to add to the program today. We had a little snafu last night in roll call, and we missed one of our most uh, important and exciting affiliates, and that's Ivy. And so we wanted to make sure that you got to hear from the wonderful folks with our Ivy affiliate. So now, without further ado, I'd like to do one last roll call shout out from our Ivy affiliate. Hi, I'm Penny Reader. I guess we had a technical uh, issue again with Ivy. We will, we will most certainly hear from Ivy. So stay tuned after our angels presentation tomorrow. You're going to, we, we, Ivy is going to be the most well-known affiliate before this convention's <laughs> over because we are going to keep working until we get it right. And uh, apologies out there to. Uh, to artists and, and, and to team, and we will we will keep working at it. So thank you all so much. Uh, next, we are going to turn today's uh, gavel over to our first vice president and officer of the day, Mark Reichert from Arlington, Virginia. Mark, welcome to the virtual ACB convention, a pathway to the future, sir. Hi there. Thank you so much, Mr. President, and it's such a pleasure to get a chance to uh, talk to you all, even though I don't get to hug you all or shake hands with you all or breathe the same air with all of you. Um, what strange days, who knew? Um, I, uh, if anybody would have said to us uh, you know, a year ago at the bar, uh, this is the year that you're gonna have and here are the things you're gonna experience, I would tell you to have another drink or maybe two or three or four. As it is, it only being 1045 on the East Coast, I'm drinking iced tea. Um, and I hope you've got uh, something in hand, whether it's a uh, nice uh, drink handy or something to nibble on. The cool thing about doing this stuff remotely is that um, unlike those of us who have to do these presentations, nobody can see you. So God knows what you're doing. Um, whatever you do, don't, don't let us know everything that you're doing. But it's such a pleasure to have you all join us, uh, especially through our uh, ACB radio network and on and on. Um, a number of you know that I've been serving in on, on an interim basis uh, with our the professional association in the blindness field called AER, and uh, and and we talked about in AER the challenges of doing uh, a conference like this uh, remotely. How in the world do you do a conference like this? And ultimately, AER opted not to do what ACB is doing, which is a, a just a truly I think historic uh, thing, and I I get to be a little footnote. Um, in ACB's work right now today, but it is a it's a tremendous thing, and uh, I, I I'm not sure that anybody knew, or maybe maybe they did years ago when ACB Radio and that whole structure was put in place, that someday um, that foundation would be uh, built upon to be able to achieve something like this in strange days where folks who I mean, folks who are blind or visually impaired are kind of isolated anyway. I think we we know that and and. The researcher types would back that up with all kinds of brainy research. Um, but fantastic that ACB has had the forethought and the vision, which ACB has always had, being people of vision, um, to put that foundation in place. So here we are. One other word of personal privilege for me, um, and I know my colleagues on the uh, ACB board are aware of this. Some of you who are friends of mine know this has been a tough, tough year for me. Um, 
and I won't belabor the point, but I'll just say, and I, I think I said this on a podcast that I did, a, I don't know, some weeks ago with Clark Rockhall and Claire Stanley, which was a lot of fun, uh, that when life throws you some curveballs, uh, wow, you really know who your friends are. Um, when um, you might be more of a liability than an asset, uh, or maybe you let people down, um, you know who your friends are uh, when those kind of times happen. So I don't want to be melodramatic about it, and life is kind of turning a number of corners for me, which is great. Um, but most importantly, uh, we're here to turn a historic corner today, which is to continue on with this effort of doing our virtual conference. And so, Dan, thanks so much for um, introducing me. And I shall now introduce our next presenter, who is Cindy Hollis, who uh, is our membership services coordinator. And Cindy, you are going to talk to us about member and affiliate relationships. And I know you're excited to do that for a number of minutes, uh, but I uh, have a note written to myself that I'm supposed to let people know that as you do your presentation, if people come up with bright ideas or questions, especially for you, I think you're, we're supposed to ask people to send their questions into questions at acb.org. Questions, I think that's plural. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong. Questions at acb.org. I don't know how many focus groups we had to come up with that uh, email address for questions, but in any case, if you out there have questions for Cindy as she presents, uh, go ahead and submit them to questions at acb.org. And, uh, and then, Cindy, when you're done, uh, we'll, I'm sure, have some real chestnuts for you to uh, jump on. But, Cindy, over to you. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be able to have this opportunity to present to all of you our ACB membership, friends, really our ACB community. When I started with ACB a year ago, I had no idea where we would be today. And yet here we are. In the beginning, I worked really hard to reach out to members and especially leadership from all of our affiliates. I spoke with many presidents, learned of their leadership and some of their structure in their state and special interest affiliates. And then I put together a survey and asked a lot of questions around membership and leadership and received a, a good response back about 28% uh, of those that were surveyed responded back. And then out of that, I had also invited them if if anyone would like to have a one-on-one -on -one with me so we could just talk about their specific situations and their affiliates. And at that time, I ended up speaking with over 100 of our leaders throughout our 68 or so affiliates. They were great conversations and throughout them, I shared ideas of ways that they could move forward with whatever it was that they were facing, their challenges and or their desire to grow their membership. And as well, I have spoken to membership committees, conventions. Fortunately, I was able to, <clears throat> excuse me, fortunately I was able to attend in person my last convention, which was in Hawaii. <laughs> so, um, Okay, the pandemic hit 
and that was a bummer and I've missed some, but I did get to go to Hawaii and aloha to all of my HAB friends and how welcome they made me and just really enjoyed that time. I have been able to speak with the conventions of Florida and California virtually, and that was a joy for me as well. All this to say that throughout all of the opportunities I've had speaking with chapters, committees, and conventions, I have talked about my three E's, embrace, engage, empower. And I still do believe that these are like the uh, code to unlocking membership growth. I believe that with all of my heart. But I added a fourth E in, and that was effort. So Embrace, Engage, Empower are tools that I, I extend to you to put into your toolbox and to keep in mind. And I'll expand on them a bit. But if we don't put the work behind them, they are just tools sitting in our toolbox. A picture does not get hung on the wall with a hammer staying in the toolbox. We need to be able to do the work. So let's talk a little bit about Embrace. Embrace is making people feel welcome at your meetings and hopefully even at this convention. I hope you're getting the feel of that Embrace that uh, you know we as an organization are extending to you. In your meetings, I hope that you have enacted some sort of welcoming committee to make sure that no one sits alone and, and that everyone feels included. And you know, you don't want to come into a room as someone who's blind, not knowing anyone, find a seat and have no one talk to you because they don't even know you're there. So we need to make sure that we are engaging or embracing people right from the start. It also leads to the engagement piece. And engage is probably one of our biggest ease ever because it is how we connect with people. Engaging is how we learn about them. We find out their interests and we get them connected to our organization. Engagement is what really has spurred our community. And we'll be talking about that in a minute. And then empower. Empower is giving people a job and the tools to do that job. It's giving them wings to fly, but being there in the background to ensure that they are successful. So we need to engage our members, but we also need to empower them to take on new activities, new leadership roles, whatever they're ready for. And sometimes people are ready before we acknowledge them to be ready. And sometimes people are ready and they don't know it. So, you know, there has to be some ability to uh, have the foresight to, to see and, and or even give a chance to people that maybe aren't the, the strong voices in your chapter or your affiliate. And knowledge is power. So we need to be really, um, we need to be open to our membership. And I will say that I am so proud of the way our leadership in ACB 
is open with all of you, all of us, um, and sharing the board meetings on ACB radio, giving people an opportunity to really listen in to the activities, the inner workings of our organization. So I want to jump into community calls and how all of that happened and why it's so important and really how it is spurring Embrace, Engage, Empower. In the middle of March, we were all thrown into this pandemic and stay-at-home orders were enacted and I started working from home and instantly I asked Eric if it'd be okay if I did a couple of community calls via, via Zoom uh, to just talk with our leaders and our affiliates and make sure everybody had a plan in place in, in staying connected with their membership. So we did two of those. It was on a Tuesday and Thursday. And uh, they went really, really well. And we talked about, you know, using whatever means you had to be able to stay connected with your membership. And really prior to this, I had spoken with many leaders about, you know, some sort of a calling campaign, reaching out to your members, making sure that they knew that you cared about them. I probably could go into some C's here, right, with caring and community and connecting. But anyway, <laughs> I'll stick with my E's right now. But I, I really do believe that connection is so important. And so we had such a great turnout with those two calls. And then Dan and I had a talk on that Friday, and uh, he was really impressed with how well those two calls had come up. And so I reached out to the leadership list and said, hey, if you have any ideas for some calls, you know, let's let me know about them and I'll I'll promote them. So anyway, that those first couple of weeks, we had 13 calls in the month of March, just in a little over two weeks. And then in April, we had 88 calls and we started rolling them into from community calls to community events because they weren't just calls they weren't just calls us chatting they were also presentations about specific topics they were uh, they were coffee socials and there was some training going on and it was just evolving into this amazing platform and then in May, we went from 88 in April to 160 events. And the community channel was born. And the community channel now hosts uh, many of our community events. Prior to that, they had been on live event, which was great. And so if you will notice, none of this could have really evolved like it did without the support from ACB radio and our leadership and just it, it's just been a team effort and in June we had 223 meetings and when I did some statistics I figured out that we've held about 484 community events in all so far uh, not counting convention and we've had over 19,000 attendees at those community events. What's also transpired is we've had several people step up wanting to help. So we've had people from the community help to host the calls, do the Zoom 
work in the background. We've had many of our community members step up wanting to facilitate calls from social events to teaching gaming or technology of, of sorts to leading presentations around veterans or, uh, or cooking. Uh, we've had some sports and, and, and uh, other things like uh, there's an app for that and playing a game in with a live audience in webinar. So we've been trying new things and I, and I know we have a lot more new things coming along because it's you, our community, that are coming up with ideas and bringing them to me. And not only saying, let's do this, but saying, I'll do this. And so we have new people stepping up to the plate, which is so important to keep this going. And then what happened, the community activities and social events started getting to a place where it was same people coming to many of them and they wanted to get to know each other more outside of the calls and so they started saying how can we how can we get to know one another how can these connections continue so uh, it just happened that things started falling into place and I approached Eric and he said yes and the ACB community Facebook group was born three weeks ago. In those first five days we grew to 500 people. We are, I, I was going to look at the number before I started this morning but didn't, but I know as of last night we were at 735. It's an amazing place to be. People are sharing with one another, asking questions. People are answering those questions. Um, they are around the convention and around blindness issues. Their um, concerns and their, where people need support. But then there's also, you know, uh, people wanting to share ideas and tips and tricks. And I just, it is an amazing community and I, could not be prouder of the people that are coming forward in that community. So you can find the convention community by uh, going to Facebook and looking up ACB community. I promise you'll find that Facebook group. Join us. We would love to have you. And uh, our ACB uh, community events, you can subscribe to our email list where I send an email out each morning, including throughout convention. Uh, and if you've never been to one of our community calls, we're gonna do one tonight and for the next uh, five nights, so through Friday night, we're calling it a community convention nightcap. And uh, we're gonna get together and have everybody share highlights from their convention each night. So if you've never been on one of our community calls, I hope you'll join us and check us out and uh, contribute. So you can join our email list by sending a blank email to acb-community-events-subscribe at acblists with an S at the end dot org. And if you have trouble, always feel free to email me with your ideas about future community events or if you need help to join the uh, community list or anything else pertaining to membership. So if you have an idea about uh, or concern 
a, a challenge that you're facing in your chapter or your state or special interest affiliate, please reach out to me at community at acb.org. And I would love to take you up on your offer of wanting to help in our community events, or I would love to help you. What I want to say and on a very serious note about reaching out to me, I want you to know that when you come to me as a leader wanting assistance, you are coming to a judge-free zone. I am not here to judge you. I am here to support you. ACB hired me to help build our membership. And in doing that, that means building relationships with our members and with the leadership of our affiliates. And I want to be that to you. So if you and I have not spoken yet, reach out to me. Drop me an email. And when I reach out to you, I hope that you'll want to engage with me because it really is my heart's desire to do that with you. I have a few minutes before we check to see if there's any questions. I want to tell you a couple of other little things I've done. We've offered peer-to-peer -peer support through President's Calls. And really, those started <laughs> the week before our community event started. So I had no idea that it would turn out like this. But on Wednesdays, we have a hump day happy hour for our presidents of all of our affiliates. And we average about 15 people on that call. And at each week, a different president facilitates the discussion and they talk about all kinds of different things. But it's a safe place for presidents to come and share some of the challenges or ideas that they have with one another. So if you are a president of a state or special interest affiliate, so this is not at the chapter level, this is at the state or special interest affiliate level, um, you receive an email from me each week reminding you about Hump Day Happy Hour. If you've not yet joined us, I hope you will, because it takes all of you to make it work. And then I wanted to expand a little bit on about a couple of things that we've been doing to try and engage new people in the organization. One, we have uh, connected with Be My Eyes and are on their app for special help. And uh, I am one of the four people that answer those calls Monday through Friday, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern. And you never know who you'll get if you call us, but we are there to uh, just lend support. So if you need resources, um, whatever you know you might have, we don't. Uh, we do not offer sighted support like their Be My Eyes agents do, but we do offer uh, other support. So check us out on the Be My Eyes app. And then we want, of course, you to join us as a member of ACB. It's only $10 a year to become a member at large. That's pretty inexpensive when you think about it. It's not even a dollar a month. Uh, you can also join one of our state or special interest affiliates at that level or at their chapter level. No matter how you decide to join us, we would love to welcome you into the ACB family. But if you're not quite ready to join ACB as a member, you can become a friend of ACB. And that's something that we started back in uh, late March, early April. And a friend of ACB receives our Braille form and e-form electronically 
You receive our weekly updates uh, that are sent out from ACB. And you have the opportunity to learn about ACB, maybe at a new level that you wouldn't have if you had not joined as a friend prior to becoming a member. So again, we want to encourage you to be a member, of course, but if that's not quite in the cards for you right now, if it's not comfortable, whatever, wherever you're at, you can become a friend of ACB and we would love that to happen and we'll reach out to you and see if maybe we can answer questions and help you become more, uh, you know, interested and uh, engaged in, in wanting, desirous in becoming a member of ACB. So I hope that I'll hear from many of you on our call tonight. Uh, we have a community uh, convention uh, connection. I think it's called a co convention check-in at 6 p.m. Eastern on the program. We have a nightcap tonight that is in the email I sent out uh, today. And so, uh, and we'll be doing that all week. And more importantly, we'll be back on Saturday with some more community events. And uh, so if you would like to be part of that, I hope you'll join our email list, or I hope you'll reach out if you want to actually facilitate a, a call. We would love to have you. Uh, I am just beyond honored. I joined this organization 34 years ago. I was a youngster then. I was 23 and pregnant with my first daughter. So giving my age away, but I, I want you to know why I am so passionate about this organization. I helped start a chapter in the state of Washington. I served as the president of our state affiliate four different times, twice back to back. And I have served as a a special interest affiliate for what is now ACB Families. I've served on the Board of Publications and served on and chaired committees at the ACB level. So when I was hired to serve as staff of ACB, I already knew about ACB because I've been living and breathing it for the 33 years prior to becoming staff. I am passionate about who we are, what we do, and couldn't be more proud about what we're doing now here at this convention. So um, before I sign off, I guess I'll ask, are there any questions? <laughs> so Janet, this is Mark, do you, how many questions do we have in the queue at this point for Cindy? Well, I have, I have a question from Greg. Juan Snyder in um, Wisconsin, and he's okay. a first-time convention attendee, and he's never Yay. attended, and he's not a member yet, and I think you answered part of his question because okay. he asked about, you know, is it better to be a member of a state affiliate or of ACB, and you kind of talked about you can do it either way, but he also wanted to know if it was possible to join the community calls if you weren't a member. Oh, I am so glad you asked those questions, Greg. So first, I'm going to answer the community call one. Our community events are for everyone. So it's a great way for you as a member to engage with other members, but for all of us to engage with people that are checking us out, wanting to learn about us, and for you to learn about us. So yes, yes, yes. We want everybody and anybody to join our community events. We'd love to have you. I want to explain a little bit about 
our, our model of membership because I do think it gets a little confusing. And so um, it is up to you on how you decide to join the organization. But I want you to think about ACB at three different levels. ACB, the organization, we are big and mighty and we are here at this convention in full force with all of our affiliates and all of our chapters and all of our members at large and all of our friends of ACB. And then there are our state and special interest affiliates. Special interest affiliates are national in scope and they cover a wide variety of interest levels. But they are organizations on their own and yet they are, are, are affiliated with ACB. And so if you join a special interest affiliate, you are a member of ACB as well. And then there are our state affiliates. We have the majority of our states are covered. We have a few that we still need to reach out to, but uh, we, when you are a member of a state affiliate, you are a member of ACB because they are affiliated with ACB. Under those state and special interest affiliates, they often have chapters. And so you could join at the chapter level and you then become a member of that state or special interest affiliate. And guess what? You become a member of ACB. So it really depends on what you are looking for. If you want to get involved on the local level, I would suggest you reach out and find out if there is a chapter in your area. However, we have learned that you can become equally involved and connected through Zoom calls as we've been doing. So really, it is up to you. I just want to make sure wherever you join, you feel that connection. And I promise you, if you join as a member at large of ACB, we are going to be doing some new things over the next several months to connect you specially. But that does not take away from our special interest affiliates or our state affiliates and their chapters. So please find what works for you. And no matter what, we just want you to join. Thanks so much, Cindy. So Janet, do you know and how many questions we have in the queue? No, that that was I I have a question myself that I'm going to ask. You do? Well, that, go ahead. I do, I do. Now, Cindy, I've been a little busy and haven't had time to go on your community calls. Yep. And you know. But I know that people have been asking these, this question, so I'm going to ask it on behalf of everyone else. So if I've never been on a call, how do I, how do I get on these calls? What, what ways, what ways sure. do I have of doing that? Thank you. So we send out uh, through a weekly schedule to all of our members and friends, as well as on the leadership list, and then also on the community email list that I put together. Uh, we send out all of the Zoom information, so you can click on the link, use your app, you can uh, use a one-tap mobile number, which has all of the numbers included from your smartphone. You can call in and use the uh, ID and password. So you can use all of those different platforms to join us, and, uh, and it's really easiest if you can be on our email list and get that information daily. So each day I send out just that day's uh, 
calls and it's a lot easier and not so overwhelming to people and I always add extra special stuff in those calls as well so I might add information about the convention or you know a link to recipes or whatever it might be that have been going on in the community so uh, I know oh go on Oh, I was just going to say, and Cindy, the last thing I had, I just got was somebody saying, could you please repeat that address to subscribe? Yes, to the email? I sure will. So the email address is acb-community-events-subscribe at acblists.org. And uh, you'll be instantly subscribed when you do that, and you'll start reading or you'll start receiving my emails tomorrow morning. And just thank you so much, Dan, for the opportunity to speak to everybody. I just wish we were in person to give you each a hug. I am a hugger, but boy, in Arizona, are we going to have fun? It's going to. I'm going to just be snuggling my way from one meeting to another. I think yes. So, so this is Mark, but you, yeah. you, you've got one more question for me before you go. And, okay. And uh, so I, one of the calls that happened this year, which I wasn't able to attend, and I'm sorry I wasn't able to, had to do with, um, frankly, creating a safe space for people to talk about their stresses and their anxieties and things that were going on with them. And I think this even happened before all the COVID stuff really started. Mm -hmm. It might have been during that time, but. Um, if if I, whoever I am, have some wild and crazy idea, no matter how unpopular it might be or you know sensitive it might be for for a topic for conversation, what's the best way for for me to bring that idea forward? So let me tell you, on Jesse Rail has been holding some um, some calls on Tuesdays typically, and I know she's got one coming up the Tuesday after convention around mental health. We've had also some on meditation, and uh, but there is no idea that's not a good idea. I always tell people if you if you create it, they will come. So um, I promise you, we have people coming to everything because our community wants to be engaged. That's what we've learned. So send me an email at community at acb.org. That's community at acb.org. And together we are going to build the greatest ACB community we could never even imagine. I know it. Can't wait to see you all next year. Enjoy the rest of your convention. God bless you all. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cindy. And I'm sure we've got folks who are standing up from their chairs and couches, especially those really, you know, those, those, those tough couches that are hard to get out of, right? You try to struggle, you push up against that armrest, you can't seem to quite get up. But I think you're getting a, a huge um, standing ovation from across the country and who knows, from around the world. So Cindy, thanks so much for um, your commitment to this organization. And I think, um, you know, a number of us are on video right, right now, whether we want to be or not. Uh, and those of us who uh, are just listening to you can hear the passion in your voice and the commitment to our organization. So. Um, God bless you. Thank you so much for um, your commitment to ACB. And we couldn't be luckier um, than to have someone who has that kind of commitment to be on our staff. So thank you so much. All right. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we are on to the next item on our agenda, which has to do with scholarships. And it is my pleasure to um, introduce Denise Colley, who, in addition to being our ACB secretary, is also 
our scholarship committee co-chair, uh, who will set up for us um, a number of scholarship presentations. Uh, Denise, take it away. Good morning, ACB. I am Denise Colley from Lacey, Washington, and I am the ACB Scholarship Co-Chair. And I'd like to begin my remarks this morning by introducing my co-chair, Rebecca Bridges from Arlington, Virginia. Rebecca has been really instrumental in dealing with all of the uh, changes we've been making to moving everything online. So she's been working really closely with Nancy Becker to do that. This year, there've been a lot of changes to the scholarship process. Last year, the um, ability for scholarship applicants to apply online was introduced. And this year, we introduced the ability for the review, scoring, and selection process to, that is conducted by the scholarship committee members to be done online and to more closely align subcommittees and the subcommittee names with the applicants' fields of study, we renamed our subcommittees. And so I wanna introduce those to you and the members of my scholarship committee. The Specialized Studies and States Subcommittee was chaired by myself this year. And joining me is Susan Claire Glass from Saratoga, California and Linda Perel from San Francisco, California. The new Social Work Rehabilitation and Teaching Subcommittee was ably chaired by Don Coors from Indianapolis, Indiana. And with him are Valerie Stannard from Kansas City, Missouri, and Sheila Young from Orlando, Florida. The new Business and Accounting Subcommittee is chaired by Vicki Prayan from Columbus, Ohio and her committee members were Sarah Conrad from Madison, Wisconsin, and a brand new committee member this year, Lynn Powers from Indianapolis, Indiana. And finally, our Engineering, Science, and Technology Subcommittee was chaired by Kathy Schmidt-Whitaker and her committee members from Diamond Bar, California. And her committee members were Mike Grabbit from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Gilly Presley from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. At the request of and in negotiation with the American Foundation for the Blind, ACB has taken on the administration and awarding of the scholarship program that AFB has had for a number of years. Uh, we took it on as part of our broader scholarship program. And many of their scholarships have been combined with our existing scholarships in like areas of study and eligibility criteria. And we've now been able to increase the dollar amounts we have been able to award. Scholarship amounts this year range from $2,000 to $7,500 with the average range between 4,500 and 5,000. And this year we're excited to be awarding $92,300 in scholarships to 21 hardworking and very deserving students. We'd like to thank our sponsor for this year, Facebook, who is sponsoring our scholarship mentoring program and workshops and activities for our scholarship attendees. And as you will soon see this year, we're introducing our students in a little different manner and you'll be meeting them throughout the week instead of all at one time. And now let's meet our first group 
of 2020 scholarship winners. Well, congratulations again. Thank you for joining me this afternoon and good luck in your future endeavors. Thank you so much. I am pleased to announce the Paula Rux scholarship winner, Maureen Hayden from College Station, Texas. Congratulations, Maureen. Thank you. Could you please share where will you be attending college in the fall? And what is your primary field of interest? In the fall, I'll be attending Texas A&M University as a fourth year uh, marine biology uh, graduate student in the interdisciplinary program. And I'll be studying um, plastic pollution on Texas beaches. And I know that you have a passion for your area of study. Can you share with us why you have chosen this field of study and what in your past led to this decision? Yeah, um, so I grew up in the landlocked state of Arizona. Um, so being a desert girl, who would think I would fall in love with the ocean? Um, but my dad was um, in the Navy and both my mom and my dad grew up near water, my mom near the Chesapeake Bay and my dad in Florida. So I grew up hearing about their adventures near the water all the time. And then uh, I had an aunt who gave me an opportunity to go visit the Clearwater Marine Aquarium. And I had an opportunity to do an animal encounter with Winter the dolphin who has a prosthetic tail and um, like get to see the behind the scenes working of how an aquarium functions. And uh, that sealed the deal for me. And I knew at that point I wanted to pursue marine biology as a career. Oh, wonderful. And a newfound love of water too, right? Yes. <laughs> Great. Wonderful. Well, in very uh, environmentally conscious uh, area of study as well. And we, that was something that we need as, as well. Could you please share with us your greatest accomplishment and why? I would say my greatest accomplishment to date would be completing my master's in biology at Walla Walla University, um, not only as an academic, but also in terms of uh, personal growth um, and learning about myself. Um, a master's program was probably one of the hardest things I've had to do as far as carrying out a, a full project for two years. And that requires a lot of teamwork, a lot of hours. And um, for me, in my case, it required a lot of great nights, but uh, I learned a lot about myself, how I work with other people, um, that I learned some new problem solving skills. And not only that, but I got to do it all in the beautiful state of um, Washington and in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Wonderful. Your environmental studies, your uh, dedication to the area, the discipline, and your great work as a student are all assets that we find that make us proud to award you an ACB scholarship this year. Congratulations once again. Thank you so much. Good afternoon, Katrina. My name is Sheila Young. I am a member of the ACB Scholarship Subcommittee for Social Work, Teaching, and Rehabilitation. And I am speaking with Katrina Santarelli from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. She is the recipient of a William Corey scholarship. So congratulations, Katrina. Thank you. Um, would you like to tell everybody where you will be attending school in the fall and what your primary studies will be? Yep. 
Um, so in the fall, I'll be attending Salus University, which is located in Elkins Park, Pennsylvania, and I will be obtaining my master's in vision, Re vision rehabilitation therapy. That's a great field. We need them. Yes. <laughs> so why at this time in your life did you choose this field and what made you go into this study? Um, so when I was 16, I actually had vision rehabilitation services. Uh, the VART came to my house. We worked on uh, public transit in my area and cooking. And I didn't know it at the time how valuable that experience was going to be to me and how it was going to shape me into the professional that I am now. At the end of that year, I actually attended a summer program for high school students and their transition into post-secondary education. And when I was there, I actually learned more about what VRT is and the services that are provided. I actually worked there later on as well in 2018. And from that, I really fell in love with the profession. And I just knew I wanted to help people that were just like me and give back to the community that's been there for me my whole life. Well, that's wonderful. And finally, what would you say is your greatest accomplishment to this point in your life? Great. Um, so I'm a recent graduate from Waukegan University, and I'm the first in my family to actually receive a high honors. So I graduated with magnum culado, which is the second highest honors. And I'm also the first in my family to go for my master's. So I would say pretty excited and about that experience. And you should be very proud of that. Congratulations. And congratulations on receiving the scholarship. And we wish you the best of luck in your future um, education. So good thank luck. You so thank you. And thank you. I am speaking with Kevin Cohen from Hewitt, New York. He is a recipient of the James Olson Memorial Scholarship. So congratulations, Kevin. Thank you. Would you like to tell everyone where you will be attending school in the fall and what your primary field of study will be? Sure. So I'm going to be attending um, Harper College of Arts and Sciences at Binghamton University in Binghamton, New York. And my primary field of study um, is economics on the pre-law track. Wow. Why? At this time, have you chosen this field of study and what led you to pick to picking this field? So I guess each part separately, the economics and then the pre-law. Um, first for economics, I've, uh, actually this year I, I've taken my first economics class, um, AP, macro, AP macroeconomics, and I really enjoyed learning about how the economy functions um, on a macro level. And you know, looking at each individual, each individual facet of the economy and international trade, um, so that really interested me. And I've also been involved with the um, stock market club in my school as president. So that's also been an experience that contributed to my interest in economics. Um, on the pre-law side, um, I've, I've always been interested in law for middle school doing debate. Um, and in high school, you know, leading my mock trial team this year um, has really been a great experience and kind of fostered my, my love for law and, and litigation. And Kevin, what would you consider your greatest accomplishment so far in your very young life? Um, I would say that my greatest accomplishment so far has been the research that I conducted last year on the mobility related issues affecting the visually impaired and blind population. Um, so by the end of the year, I ended up um, writing about a 30 page paper 
um, on two different technologies that could help mitigate some of the mobility-related issues um, in these populations. So um, anxiety trips in the falls um, and so on. And in this process, you know, I, I um, enhanced my communication skills with professionals in the field, orientation and mobility specialists, um, various organizations like Blind Square, who I was in contact with, um, and research in general. And I found this experience to be very rewarding for myself as I was able to um, not just, I was able to, I don't know, not just deal with my disability, but actually kind of do some research into, into the issues that affect more than myself, but the, the entire visually impaired and blind population and, you know, try to make some difference. Well, we would love it if you would share some of that paper with our Braille Forum at some point in the future, because that would be very interesting to read. So congratulations, Kevin, on your scholarship and good luck in your education. Good afternoon. This is Sheila Young. I am a member of the Social Work Rehab and Teaching Subcommittee of the American Council of the Blind Scholarship Committee. And I am delighted to be talking with Stephen Nip who is from Billingham, Washington, but he is the recipient of an ACB Oregon scholarship this year. So Stephen, would you like to tell everyone where you're planning to attend school in the fall and what your field of study will be? Yeah, good question. So I am continuing my major in communication studies. Um, is the It'll be my second second year at Portland State University. And why have you chosen this field? And what led what in your life led up to you choosing this field? Well, it all goes back to after I got out of high school, I went through a bunch of um, work programs and uh, went through the process of um, you know trying to get employed uh, and. I just uh, went through a bunch of phases that a lot of blind people uh, go through where employers, they just, they don't want to take a chance. Um, and I, I just about had it after a couple of years of not having success. Um, and I knew in the back of my mind after working as a residential life counselor through the uh, Youth Employment Solution Program, I knew at that point that I wanted to do something um, in the field of working with people that are visually impaired, uh, just because you know I can re re relate to them. And uh, so, when I started school in 2015 at Wacom Community College, I took a uh, communication course with a wonderful woman, um, Colleen McGough. And she was the one who inspired me to go after this career. Um, she was went out of her way to uh, just make sure I succeeded. Uh, I took three different courses with her, um, general communication, interpersonal, and public speaking. Um, and she, again, you know, she was just a huge, huge supporter. Uh, and then... The other reason why I'm, I, I chose this field is because I went through a learning contract um, where I got to basically form my own class uh, 
and uh, I got to do some informational interviews, and uh, these were with people that um, are current um, orientation and mobility uh, specialist. And um, you know, I, I one of my questions was, you know, what what did you get your um, your major in for this field? And they they either said uh, communication studies or psychology. And, and what would you now, Stephen? What would you consider to be your greatest accomplishment so far in your life? That's a very tough question because um, <laughs> I can name a few. Uh, but um, well, we've only got a couple minutes, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I would have to say graduating from Wacom with honors um, and uh, just confirming to everybody that people like me can succeed. Um, it was just a dream come true. And to be where I'm at today, going after my, my career, just extremely honored. And I really feel like that's the biggest accomplishment. I wish I had more time to go into more detail. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it is an accomplishment, Stephen. Yeah. Anytime anyone can, can finish college or even a semester in college they should feel proud but you should feel especially proud so thank you for joining me this afternoon and congratulations again and good luck in your studies thank you so much an incredible set of presentations uh and Stephen, good for you um so my first thought is i am so jealous Stephen, of your voice um i thought i was mostly jealous of tony steven's voice but now now that i've heard yours i'm not i'm not sure it's it's that's a toss-up i'm gonna have to think about that and then um i'll admit to this audience that in hearing the scholarship presentation for the james olson award um those of us who remember jim um remember him fondly and uh i uh, I, I had the the privilege of attending his um send-off ceremony in oh gosh when was that was it 2004 2005 i don't remember it was in minnesota it was really cold um but um suffice it to say that acb is a family and i think um those of you who are who have been part of it for years understand what i'm talking about if you don't um or don't yet have that feeling i would encourage you to reach out to your um local chapters and your state affiliates and to uh, those special interest affiliates that most appeal to you because uh, ACB is not just an organization it's not just another nonprofit it's an organization that um, creates a, a, a true community and I think we've heard that today with that we are going to take a break ladies and gentlemen this would be that time during the normal convention season when um, you would get up and uh, go rushing off to the elevator and push that button repeatedly and stumble over people with their dog guides and tails wagging away and those canes flailing about. Um, I miss that so much. Can you tell how much I miss that? Um, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are on break until 11.45 a.m. Eastern. See you then. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Record here, and so such a pleasure to be with you on a lovely what is today? Monday. It's Monday all day, and it's eleven forty-five, I think. And given that, we know that the next item on our agenda 
has to do with the Vernon Henley Award. And I'm going to turn it over to my friend and colleague, Penny Reeder from Montgomery Village, Maryland, with the Board of Publications to um, set it all up for us. Penny, over to you. Hi, I'm Penny Reeder. I'm a member of the Board of Publications for ACB. And I'm also the president of Guide Dog Users Incorporated. And it's an honor for me to present this award. The award is the Vernon Henley Award. It's one of our oldest awards in ACB. Mr. Henley was the first chair of the Board of Publications. And he was very wise because he knew if we were ever gonna make progress in the world, we needed to change people's minds about our lack of capability. And so he created this media award for people who, for people and organizations that present us in positive, a positive light. And uh, this year's award winner does exactly that. It's like the best possible choice for Mr. Henley's award. This is an award for Dana Nachman and Mary Chalenza, who are the producers of the Pick of the Litter docudrama. Um, and they also worked on the uh, original Pick of the Litter movie. And if you don't know what that is, we encourage you to go to Disney Plus and watch it because it's fabulous. It's um, a movie, the, the first installment depicted how um, guide dogs for the blind, which is a guide dog school in California, narrowed down the choice among puppies who were all born together. And some of them made it through the process and became guide dogs and others did not quite make it and they became other things. And then they followed up the movie with a docudrama series on Disney Plus. And the series um, showed the world how GDB instructs people, blind people, how to use, uh, how to learn to work with the guide dogs and the whole, through the training, whole training process and even through the process of coming home and beginning to work in your real life with a guide dog. Um, and we love everything about these, these two series. We love the movie, we love the series because they depict blind people in the real world. So we love puppies because we're Guide Dog Users Incorporated. And we love GDB because we have lots of GDB graduates. And um, we, we love Claire who is featured in the docudrama series. Claire works for ACB. And they even came to ACB and filmed Claire working in the ACB environment. So it showed people who watched the movie and the series that were normal people. They showed us working and using screen readers and walking with our dogs and beginning to build that bond that's so important. So we are so happy to present this award to Mary and Dana, and we really appreciate what you did. Thank you so much and congratulations. Thank you so, so much for this great honor. Um, we are really, really thrilled. Um, working on Pick of the Litter, both the film and the and the series for Disney Plus was such a thrill. Um, and, you know, the thing that I loved most about it was, of course, the, the fluffy and cuddly dogs, but more so, even more so than that, was the amazing people that we got to meet, the people who ended up with the dogs, um, the clients of Guide Dogs to the Blind, and just to learn about their lives. Um, and they taught me all about... Um, orientation and mobility, which I didn't know anything about. And I thought that was really fascinating and just how they're partners with these dogs and how as a team, the human canine connection that we all feel so much with our, with our pets is taken to the, to the 
thousandth degree with, with this relationship between guide dogs and their users. Um, and so I love that. And I love the resilience of all the people that I met through Guide Dogs for the Blind and how they, they navigate their lives um, day in, day out um, with dogs and without dogs. And so I learned a lot as a person just by becoming friendly with them. And I hope to continue those friendships and partnerships in the future. And I love working with Mary and she'll, she'll tell what resonated with her. Um, thanks, Tina. I think that being on this project was one of the great joys of my career. Um, it was so genuinely touching to meet the people, the animals, but, and see how wonderful they all are and how generous they are of spirit and how courageous they are in every step of their lives. And I think what some people think is, oh, the guide dog gives them independence. No, what we learned is that they're already independent. The guide dog is just a way for them to live an even fuller life. And to me, that was one of those things that is magic. Um, and Chris Benninger, who's the CEO of Guide Dogs for the Blind, talks about the magic of the matching process. And that was really lovely to watch. Because when you get to see a person and a dog meet and form this team, and navigate life together like that. That's something really special. So it was really such a great learning experience. I feel very blessed to have been a part of it. And, you know, this is a really lovely honor. So we're so grateful. And, and you know, with our partner, Don, as well. Like, it was a, a really wonderful project to work on. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Well, you know, you never know with these virtual presentations uh, when the ball will get handed back to you. Uh, thank you all so, so much. I appreciate it. And um, congratulations um, to our award winners. And thank you so much, Penny, uh, for your presentation. With that, ladies and gentlemen, I want to um, introduce to you a session that we do annually at the American Council of the Blind. And uh, some of you know me mostly because of my chairing the resolutions uh process for the american council of the blind and um i only bring that up because uh not only do we always love to have an update from uh, the leadership of the national library service but if you don't think that resolutions mean anything in the american council of the blind then you uh you don't know what you're talking about uh, because many many moons ago we decided that you know what by resolution we were going to hear from the leadership of the Library of Congress's National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. And it is my privilege this, this morning, yep, still this morning, well, noon, okay, uh, to uh, introduce Karen Kenninger, who is the director of NLS. And uh, look forward, Karen, to hearing your remarks. And I know we've got already a number of questions for you. If you do, friends have questions for Karen, be sure to email them to Janet Dickelman, who is the taskmaster on all things questions. And you can do that at questions, questions at acb.org. I think we have a number of them already in the queue, so I don't want to advertise it too much. But um, Karen, <laughs> over to you with your presentation, and uh, we'll take some questions. And whatever you do, don't hang up until I tell you to, because we have a surprise for you. Good morning, ACB. It is an absolute pleasure for me to be here yet again for the, I think, eighth time to speak to you about our library. Our library that brings us books and magazines so that we can keep up with our sighted peers and all of us can read. So I'm gonna give you a quick overview and then we'll take 
some questions and uh, we will have more in-depth Q&A this afternoon at the Library Users of America meeting. So be sure to tune in for that as well. So one of the new things that I'm really excited about that just came out is a, the ability to subscribe to series on BARD. Now, those of you who are BARD users probably know, I hope you do, that you can subscribe to magazines so that when a magazine new issue comes out, it will be put on your wish list. And now there is a subscription for series. So I know that we all love our series and that is also available on BARD as of a few weeks ago. So check it out. In, uh, at the beginning of this fiscal year, which would have been October 1, NLS changed its name. We used to be the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped. That terminology got me a whole lot of complaints, the physically handicapped part. So we have changed it to the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled as of last October in order to bring the, the language up to date and to acknowledge that print disabilities are out there and that we need to be able to serve them. In December, we got some new legislation that gave us several opportunities and we're just now making those happening. Uh, one of those opportunities is additional funding for our e-reader project, which we'll talk about in a second. And another is authority to do cross-border exchange with um, through the Marrakesh Treaty. And another one conforms our definitions to the definitions in the Copyright Act and that was passed a year before that. Um, and the main one is, is the eligibility de definition. That definition is now it is a person who is blind, a person who has a visual or perceptual disability or physical disability. So perceptual disability is the new language in there. And one of the things that we are planning to do is to change the certification process for people who have this perceptual reading disability so that they can sign up more easily. It's been a kind of a, a high bar for them um, in the past because they had to get a doctor's certificate. But as this fall, we intend to get um, to change that so that they have the same options that, the, that everyone else who's eligible does that we expect them to primarily be BARD users and not talking about machine users, which means we have to make sure that BARD can handle that. So we're working on a big uh, expansion of BARD capabilities, moving it to the cloud and doing um, the things that we'll need to double or triple is ability to serve people. We got additional funding for that as well. So that was, that was a good thing. Um, Marrakesh Exchange is coming, but it isn't just here yet. One of the things that our law requires is that we publish new regulations. And those regulations should be published by the end of this month, I'm told, which will um, give us all the legal backing that we need to actually participate fully in Marrakesh. So when are we going to actually see the, the results of that? It's going to be yet a little while while we organize the um, arrangements that we will have to exchange with various libraries. We are going to be working and we have already been working with the Global Book Service, which is part of the World Intellectual Property Organization's project to uh, help with international exchange. We're going to be doing a pilot this, later this summer to implement what we think is going to be a workable paradigm and we'll have to see how that goes. Um, one thing that you've probably seen if you are in one of our 37 libraries who are doing it is duplication on demand where you're getting cartridges that are 
specially customized for you with the books that you want. And there may be up to 10 books on that cartridge, or in some cases more, I think. Um, and we fix the talking book machine so that you can just roll from one book on to the next one if you want to. You can also still use the bookshelf feature if you prefer that. But we think this will be a good thing, both for the libraries, it makes it a lot easier, and for you because it makes all the books that are on BARD that aren't on cartridges available to you on cartridge as um, well as the ones that you've been getting already. So we're, we're excited about that. The Braille e-reader project is a pilot that we've been, it's a project that I have been working toward ever since I came to Washington, actually. And it is now bearing fruit. We got additional funding for it this year, thanks to all the support that we got from you. And we have units about to be delivered, 2,000 of them that will be distributed to initially four pilot libraries. We'll be asking the members uh, who use the, who get the talking book, I mean the Braille e-readers, to um, report back on the usability of them and their experience with them so that we can make sure that they are optimal for people. We have two vendors for this project and the first ones to be uh, delivered are going to be the humanware ones. There are some from Zoomax that will be coming later in the fall and they will go to another set of libraries. The first set of libraries um, at this moment in time is Iowa, New Jersey, Kentucky, and Utah. We're assuming they'll all be able to um, work on the pilot. Uh, the COVID has kind of gotten in the way of that, so there might be a little bit of a change. I'm not sure yet. But anyway, these are coming, and I'm really very excited about that. Um, ACB staff or designated ACB members will also get um, early pilot units to test out and give us feedback on as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, next generation digital talking book service is another thing that we've been working on for quite some time and we are still working on it. Um, we do have a prototype of a lockdown cell phone that has a voice user interface so that you can um, talk to the device and it will get you the books that you're asking for. It, that project isn't complete yet, but it is definitely making progress and I'm excited about that. I'm not sure how long it will take to get these things in place, but we're also working on smart speaker implementation as well. Hmm. Bard Mobile is getting updated and so is Bard Express. I think there's going to be a presentation on that in on Wednesday um, with more details. So I'll just mention that there are updates that have um, been worked on recently. So, and the last thing that I want to mention before we go to questions, and I'm going to keep this short since we have a lot of questions, yeah. is that we are looking at a new location. We are very hopeful that we will get a new location. We've been hopeful for some time, but the reason that this matters is that our new location will be, if we have our way about it, um, and are very, very fortunate, that it will be on Capitol Hill. What we are hoping for is a facility where we will be able to have not only our offices and our labs and our uh, studios, but we will also have a visitor center that would be intended for both sighted and blind people, including a touch museum that would have artworks, uh, architectural models and other sorts of things of interest that you'd be able to come if you come to washington you'd be able to come and visit and look at um, that that's also on the table and we are very hopeful that we will be able to get that um, project moved along as well the covid has had major effects on our network libraries as well as on nls and i just want to mention that our network libraries have been doing absolutely everything they can to get books out 
Um, and I know that in some states it's been very difficult because they've completely closed the buildings down and people have to work from home. So there's no mail service and there's no real ability to do that. Um, they have to follow their state requirements. They're, um, you know, they have to put quarantine things. They have to go all through a lot of these um, things in order to do whatever they can manage to do. Um, they are trying to answer the phones. They're using interlibrary loan to try to get books out, things that they can do from home. Um, there are also some sharing across state lines so that one library is helping out another one. Some of them are still open and stump are recording and, and doing a lot of that. But actually at this time, if you're a BARD user, you're in luck. And if you're not a BARD user, if you can get somebody to help you with BARD, if you're not getting the service from your network library right, right now, if you can get somebody to help you with BARD, you can have access to the whole collection. So um, I, NLS staff has been in the same boat as our network libraries. Our building's been closed since the first part of April. We just opened it up last week, actually. Everybody's been working from home who could, and the people who couldn't work from home couldn't work. Um, but we're back to some extent. Our music services are back in. Uh, they're able to start circulating music again for those of you who are music people. Um, speaking of music, we have some new. Uh, it's given us a chance to actually get into some of our collections. The Smithsonian Folkways collection is something we've been adding slowly to the to the uh, catalog, and this time has allowed us to add a bunch more of those Smithsonian Folkways products. And if you're interested in traditional music, you might want to check those out because they're, they're well done and pretty interesting. Um, books production has slowed down. You have noticed that if you're a bard watcher because our producers went, on, went dark for a while. And of course that impacted production. Our studio's been closed and um, several of our producers were for a while as well. They're ramping up now. And the number of books is starting to pick up. I will say that we have managed over 2,500 new books in 2020, in spite of all of this. And with the help of both our new books, new books from the network and magazines, we've added 40, over 4,600 books or titles to the to Bard in this fiscal year so far. So we're, we're actually doing pretty well there, but um, more to come. Um, most of our magazines are back up and running. If you're a magazine subscriber, you should be getting your magazines. The one that we're not getting that some of you might be missing is The Economist. The Economist is done in our studio and our studio is closed. So we're not able to, to do that just yet, but it's, it's um, coming soon. As soon as we can start opening a little bit more, um, we will, the studio's next on the list. So that's my very brief update of the things going on at NLS, and I would be very happy to take questions at this point, Janet. Okay, so Janet, before we do that, um, I know Debbie Trevino is already on the line. Deb, I'll hand it over to you in just a second, but Karen, I have a question for you, and that has to do okay. with the definition um, of who's covered. So uh, you mentioned this in your remarks about uh, perceptual disability versus sensory disabilities, and you know, there's a certain amount of theology here. It, it can get a little um, theoretical and not so practical, but can, can you just talk a little bit about sort of the scope of who NLS is supposed to be serving these days and how we're breaking down barriers to make sure that folks beyond, uh, I think you and me, who, whose only disability is yeah. vision impairment, uh, are, are, part of the, are part of the mix? 
This has always been a difficult question. And I think that's why back in the 70s, they said a doctor had to figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, we don't, we're not going to ask doctors to figure it out anymore, but we are going to ask for school psychologists and reading specialists and types like that to actually um, certify that a person who is not blind um, or visually impaired, that they would be eligible for the program. Yeah. What does it mean, perceptual disability? I think that what people think of primarily is dyslexia and mm -hmm. that sort of disability. Mm -hmm. um, we are not going to codify that in our regulations. We're not going to say, if it's dyslexia, you're in. If it's something else, you're out. Um, right. We're leaving that. I think we're going to just leave it to the certifying authorities. Our experience yeah. with certifying authorities is that they take things very seriously uh, and that, that, that in general they have done a, a very creditable job. So mm -hmm. that's that's where we where we landed on it, actually. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of the, the numbers, I mean, maybe you don't have the precise numbers, but in terms of how many folks are actually subscribed to the program who are visually impaired or may have other disabilities? Right now, with what we track is one disability at a time. So about... 45% of the people we serve at this point are people with who are visually impaired and about 40% are people who are legally blind. Mm -hmm. And then we serve about five or 6% of people who are um, reading disabled and we have, or privileged is the term, I guess. And we have about that many who are physically disabled for other reasons. And there's some we don't know for sure. So that's kind of how it breaks down right now. We anticipate that over time, there will be a lot more people with print disabilities that sign up, um, but I believe it's going to take some time for that to, to occur. All right, excellent. And the, my, my last question, and I'll leave you alone. You've been a good, um, you've, you've been nice to, <laughs> to put up with my cross-examination, and that is- I'll take um, as many questions people, as you got. <laughs> people people uh, love to cite the NLS data for uh, purposes of assessing how many Braille readers there are. Can you comment just briefly on that. I can. We had about something around 30,000 active Braille readers last year. That means people who actually borrowed Braille and used it um, either from hard copy or off a of BARD. Um, we did another way of looking at the data and found that we have about 41,000 people who are registered with the network libraries who have indicated mm -hmm. that they are Braille readers. So there's those two numbers are what I've got. Mm -hmm. Um, Karen, thank you so much. We have questions, but before we, we do that, I no. want to turn the program over to Deb Trevino for a special presentation. Deb, over to you. Hi, it's my distinct and great pleasure to be able to present the Robert Gray Award to Karen Kanger. Huh. This award huh. is someone for improving library services, and Lord knows she's done that over the years, which she's been and loyal and dependable and always brings us a good report of what's going on with NLS. And it, it could also be for um, someone who has made technical and communication device improvements. And so, of course, with BARD and BARD Express and with all the different players and things coming out, I'm looking forward to that Braille, uh, e-Braille thing. Um, <laughs> I have my own orbit, so, I mean, I'm already using that. <laughs> wow. Um, Anyway, we are so grateful to be able to present this award to Karen Kenninger, and I present on behalf of myself, 
the uh, the awards committee and my co-chair Debbie. Wait a minute, I lost her name. Just a second, Rosier. You know, Deb. It's not. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> anyway, um, on behalf of the committee, we are great, gratefully um, pleased to present this present this award. Karen, congratulations! Oh Karen. Thank you so much. Uh, and oh and as I said earlier today, you know, this is a virtual convention, so there are people who are trying to get up out of their easy chairs and uh, and their soft couches. And, um, we're all giving you a standing ovation, so congratulations. Nobody deserves it better. Oh, my That's gosh. Right. Well, thank you so much. This has been a lifelong passion of mine, and I just am happy to be able to be where I can make some impact. So thank you so much. I mean, I remember being... I remember being, you know, uh, uh, just just a young lad and uh, hearing names like Kurt Silke, who, you know, I mean, these are these are these are names that are etched into our uh, our minds and our hearts. Who've been around forever and a day, and uh, and uh, he was kind of a a, a living legend. And uh, Karen, um, thank you so much for your leadership in this program. Um, you you are because of the the seat that you sit in you know uh, that there's a certain amount of blindness politics out there. And uh, so there you go. Good for you. Um, and, and, uh, but, but, but you've, you've persevered and, uh, and I think um, most assuredly taken the program into the 21st century. So thank you for that. Um, Janet, over to you for questions. All right. We do have a few. First question, Karen, is from Jean Mann from New York, and she wants to know that since Reader's Digest is no longer going to be put in Braille from APH, if you're thinking of recording uh, Reader's Digest. I haven't checked into that recently, but I will. I'll make a note right now, right. and I will get back to you on that. And then I had two questions pretty similar from uh, David Mandel, David Mandel from Berkeley, California, oh. and... Um, he wanted to know about preserving and converting talking books from the 1930s through 70s to NLS. So preserving the books and converting them. And Christy, while you're at it, Christy Sykes from Louisville wanted to know about if there's plans for editing out things such as side one, toad and two out of the book. <laughs> Um, let's see. Uh, with regard to the old records, which are the night, you know, the um, 1934 to 1970 style talking books, we do have an archive of them, and we have looked at the possibility of converting them. We haven't initiated that yet. There, it's a completely different process, obviously, than the process that we went through. <coughs> excuse me, to, to convert about 40,000 uh, cassette books. It's something that's on, on the wish list. Uh, it's not a top priority right now, but it's something we have not lost track of. Um, with regard to editing out side one, tone one, and all that stuff, they're supposed to get edited out when they do the conversions, but sometimes they miss them. So um, hopefully they'll go. get better at that as we, as we go along. Okay. And do we have time for one more question, Mark? Of course. Yes, ma'am. Because I'm not looking at the program, so I'm not sure where we are. Um, all right, Robin Frost from uh, Havertown, Pennsylvania, wanted to know about managing the five slots that each library user has for Bard, um, for mo adding and mo removing mobile devices, and wanting to know if that might be something that individuals could control on their own versus having to contact the library. I can look at that as well. I um, 
we're looking at making BARD easier to use in several ways, and we're going to be um, actually completely rewriting BARD in the next couple of years in order to, to meet our expanded needs. And certainly that's something that we want to be able to have more, more user control over. So I'll make a list or put that on the list of things that we definitely want to do. So Karen, this is Mark and because, because they, they gave me an open microphone, that's, that was their first mistake. So um, <laughs> do you, I, I, I loved growing up listening to Chaim Potok's The Chosen and The Promise uh, read by Lan Janney, who was just just a phenomenal reader, and uh, you know a, a historic figure in terms of nineteen fifties, sixties, seventies broadcasting. I don't think those have been converted over. I mean, who who if I if I had my little wish list of things that I wanted to maybe get converted over, to whom can I lodge those um, appeals? Send them to me. And I will. <laughs> Good for you. Good job. Send them to me. Well done. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll uh, get them where they need to go. <laughs> I just I remember getting those 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 records. What those thirty three and a third records in the mail. And uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah, they were Christmas every time it came in the mail. My mailman wasn't always real fond of me, but he got over it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Absolutely. Karen, thank you so much, and congratulations again on the Vernon Henley Award. Uh, oh my we, gosh, we, thank we, you so much. No, thank you. Thank you very much. With that, ladies and gentlemen, um, uh, following the order of the day, we are on to our next presentation. Um, at least once a convention, we get to hear from a renowned international guest. And uh, with any luck, if if the, uh, the 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 Dixie cups and the fishing line have been uh, pulled tightly enough, uh, we uh, are connected with our next guest, who I understand, unlike some of our presentations that have been recorded, this one is live, live and in person. I hope this is true. Uh, still, uh, we are pleased and privileged to be joined by Martine Abel Williamson, who is the treasurer of the World Blind Union from Auckland, New Zealand. I think Auckland's about 40 miles west of Neptune, uh, if memory serves. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I think, um, uh, uh, Martine, you're, you're at, at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, I'm on the Space Coast here in Florida, so you may very well be, uh, God knows. But in any case, um, Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, congratulations for getting up so early uh, with us. I hope you have something that props your eyelids open at this time of the day, wherever you are. And uh, talk to us about um, what's going on with this crazy intergalactic thing called the World Blind Union and also what you do um, nine to five or, or whatever time it is people do things in New Zealand. Over to you. Oh, good morning, everybody. Can you hear me clearly? Yes, we can. You're lovely. Oh, great. Um, yeah, it's good morning from, um, it's run about 20 past four in the morning. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really wanted to meet up with you in person, and this is the closest I was going to get. And so, so thank you for inviting me. It, it was so exciting to, to get an invitation. Uh, 
pre-COVID-19, I got the invitation and I was like, yes, I'm going to go to the States again, because last year this time, about exactly a year ago, um, I was invited to uh, present at the um, NFB convention. And it was just amazing to attend something in person where I could meet with so many people. And then I thought, okay, fine, great. This time I'm going to meet with the ACB. And I was just on the verge of uh, booking my ticket, sorting that out with um, Janet, your, your great Janet, that's um, doing the organization when COVID-19 set in. And, um, and I thought, well, maybe next time, but still this is really, and then I didn't want to miss the opportunity of um, presenting live in case there were any questions. So if I don't talk too long, there'll be time for questions. If I talk too long, then there will not be time for questions, but thanks again. Um, I was in mean, a fortunate opportunity to have uh, met online with um, Dan Spoon and Kim. I'm on a um, audio description related advisory group with him. And I also know that ACP is very involved with World Plant Union related matters. So um, even though we're not together in person, I know there's so many collaborative things happening. Um, I don't know whether you can hear very well from my accent because it's a bit mixed as we're speaking. I was born in Namibia, which is the old Southwest Africa. And actually from the word go, blindness really influenced the path of my life, fortunately or unfortunately. Uh, when I was six months old, um, my parents, uh, I was single mother, my single mother mum realized that I was ignoring her and she probably thought, well, it's too early to be a teenager. I can't ignore her quite yet. She better get me to the doctor. And I was diagnosed with my um, Leber's congenital amaurosis, my eye condition, so being blind. And at the time, she was told that there is no opportunity for mainstream or special schooling in Namibia, and they, they don't need to go to South Africa for that. So uh, just after I was one year old, she um, packed us up, moved to South Africa. And even though she got a job there, I was still more than a thousand kilometers away from the special school for the blind. So at the age of five, I got sent to school for the blind for 13 years. Um, you know, looking back, and many people regret uh, special school opportunities because they were not with their family and friends. I, it's a bit of a double-edged sword to me because I met some of the most amazing uh, friends um, at special school. So although I'm very much in favour of inclusive and integrated schooling, one can't change your own path always, and I had actually a great time apart from missing out on family time. By the time I went to university, University of Pretoria afterwards, I, I was closer to home and I tried to make up for good time. And I studied in the area of um, psychology and education. I really wanted to be a vet uh, to start with because uh, as a, you know, I, I, I remember my first dream was to be a vet. I, I could build animals out of Lego. And I think my mum must have been very worried at the time because she was never a person to say, no, you can't do this and you shouldn't do that and don't go and play outside and things like that. And I, I thought maybe she had a bit of issues with me wanting to become a vet. And, um, but she never told me that I can't become a vet. So um, I remember about, 
I was about seven years old when um, I was on, at school holiday, I was home and I had to get up early to go to work with her because she couldn't leave me on my own at, at home. So she would cart me off with her to her, to her um, workplace where she was a medical secretary. And I would sit in the filing room and listen to the radio and listen to cassettes and play with Lego and whatever. And this one morning I was like a bit grumpy because I had to get up early and it was during my school holiday. And she said to me, what am I gonna, what are you gonna do one day uh, when the farmers call you and you've got to go and help with um, animals giving birth and all some such. And I said, no, I don't wanna become a vet anymore. I think I wanna do something that I can get up later in the morning. So fortunately for her and um, the rest of the world probably, that was the end of my wishes to become a vet. So she, so she never had to uh, break my aspirations or my dreams. She probably just had to wait for me to, to come to my senses. And that is how I will always um, remember her. Uh, she's here with us in New Zealand, but she has got stage two dementia. And unfortunately, although I'd love to see all my current adventures with her, um, she doesn't remember things very well. So it is tinged with sadness when I talk about all the opportunities that she uh, allowed me to endeavor. And now um, it's very hard with her not being able to sort of um, hopefully see the, the fruits of her labor, really. Um, so I moved to New Zealand in the um, uh, uh, mid 1990s. I was the only one left in my family, my brother-in-law and sister moved to New Zealand for teaching positions. And um, it was very interesting. So my accent is really a mixture of Afrikaans and Kiwi and New Zealand and what whatever. Um, <laughs> so coming to New Zealand was a bit hard as a disabled woman because again, there was a gap on my CV. I struggled to get a job. But long story short, I started to work in a blindness agency where I was teaching braille and uh, computers. And before too long, um, I became involved with local government and I became an accessibility advisor. And this is the work I'm very much involved in today uh, at World Blind Union level, because at local government, as many of you will know, that it's got a lot to do with access to the environment and transport and how uh, footpaths, anything from footpaths, or as you guys call it, sidewalk accessibility to trains and buses. So for my sins, I am back in the disability area <laughs> after working in um, the mainstream area. And I really enjoy it because I think the more of us that work in this area, the, uh, the bigger difference we can make. And um, so, and around about 2007, <clears throat> New Zealand had, had an opportunity to travel to China for our uh, World Blunt Union Asia Pacific Midterm Regional Assembly. And uh, our formalized uh, World Blunt Union representative suddenly became unavailable. And uh, me um, sticking up my hand for something before I know really what is implied said, oh, you know, I come from other countries and I have traveled the world a little bit and I'm happy to represent us in China. And people said, fine. And then I realized I'm still sitting on a, with a South African visa. It's very difficult to travel. And that actually led me to get um, finally my New Zealand citizenship. And 
and to get a, a New Zealand passport because I thought if a country trusts me to represent them, the least I can probably do is, um, is travel on their passport. And so it is in 2007 that my um, linking with the World Blind Union started. And I haven't looked back really. I, um, I was involved with Asia Pacific region. Um, I'm still the coordinator for the UN advocacy group, which is to do with human rights instruments such as the Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities, CEDAW, or I think you guys say CEDAW, which is the Convention on the Elimination of Discrimination of um, End of Discrimination Against All Women and the Girls. So, and then in 2012 or 13, I got asked to become involved in a global, to lead the global work on access to the environment and transport, because New Zealand was one of the first countries to develop shared and uh, accessible and safe shared spaces. And of course, that was a huge issue for many people because they've started to implement it in Europe, the many countries, and it proved to be very dangerous because again, it was a concept that there was no initial engagement with blind stakeholders. So it was very dangerous for people to venture in the same space where vehicles would. So in New Zealand, well, I don't think we've got it perfect, but we've got very well designed and very specific requirements around shared spaces so that by the time you do cross an area where vehicles can move as well, that you know you can be as safe as possible. So for my sins, someone at World Blind Level, Union Level, find that out. And I was contacted and started uh, the lead work about access to the environment and transport. And then in 2016, at our General Assembly in Orlando, where I did meet with some people from ACB, I was voted in as, as treasurer. So I'm on the I'm a table officer and on the global board of World Blind Union. And it is really totally amazing to uh, be able to four or five times a year travel and uh, meet up with colleagues and talk about our four-year strategic plan and really look at the bigger picture. And, um, you know, it's for me, it, it's great to go to other developed countries because we learn so much from each other. But it's also awesome for me to go to developing countries where we often get asked to help liaise with national and central governments about inclusive education or access to the environment. And this is of, that is opportunities that is just uh, so valuable to me. Um, so I, um, because New Zealand is so far away from everybody except Australia and the Pacific Islands, it's often needed for required for me just to travel on my own because can you imagine the cost if I took a guide so I have landed in interesting situations I know uh, the first time I went to Myanmar that used to be Burma not only do you land there on your own as a blind person but uh, people don't uh, always speak English and you can't just expect people to speak English and you can't just like any sighted tourist point and point and, 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 and sign and get your way around you just have to to deal with it um, and again what I always find of those countries are people are so extraordinarily uh, generous and and kind um, even though when I was in Myanmar I fell ill um, we still don't know whether it was giardia or some food poisoning or whatever and um, 
you know, you, you do think when you end up in hospital, um, being on death's door, you do reflect on your life. And and I still wouldn't look back. People have said to me, oh, so you think you should not have traveled to, to, to a country such as Myanmar? And I'm like, no, I, I think we made a difference there. And I just have to be careful. We all just have to be very careful. Which get me on to um, COVID-19. Kim has said for me to talk a little bit about what happened with COVID-19 here in New Zealand. And I've just returned from um, the United Arab Emirates in Abu Dhabi in February, mid-February. We went there to, I presented about um, smart cities. Many of you may know it as uh, the opportunity to link technology with the physical environment. You know, and I talked about how we link smart speakers such as uh, Amazon Alexa, Google Home, uh, all sorts of mobile phone apps with finding out information about the environment instead of just dealing with the physical environments. It was awesome traveling there. Hardly got back to New Zealand in the beginning of March when um, there was a great talk about COVID-19. And I didn't really take it very seriously because I was supposed to go to the Dominican Republic um, on the 23rd of March to go to the um, uh, Southern American or uh, Latin American World Blunt Union uh, Regional Assembly and I was looking so much forward to it so I had my ticket board I had my visa everything sorted I was supposed to travel through because you travel through the states to get to the Dominican Republic I had my Esther visa waiver everything sorted ready to um, travel in transit through the states when it started to look very clear that that will not be possible so um, I was asked to put my, put my travels on hold and on midnight on the 24th of March, New Zealand went into total lockdown. And I think for many of us, it was like a once in a lifetime experience. Um, my husband's workstation was moved to home. I was here at home and uh, suddenly we went from um, uh, really having a normal life to not having a normal life. I suppose it forced us to become quite tech savvy because I've never had so many Webex and Zoom meetings in my life. So fortunately, I think the angst around online connectivity got a bit dispelled through um, <laughs> through this. One, one's got to take the positive uh, with the negative. And we also realized at the time, because it is a time of reflection, that um, you know, how, how self-sustainable you need to be in your own home. Do you have your entertainment? Do you have books? Do you have, um, can you take your dogs for, we've got two guide dogs between us. Uh, we were fortunate in the, in the situation that we were allowed to go for short walks, um, which I think is, is really helpful, but dogs actually was felt very spoiled because I think they just thought for three months, we were at home and they got all the attention. So I didn't think they were much affected by COVID-19, whereas humans were. Suddenly we had to do a lot of online shopping. Fortunately in New Zealand, it's a bit of a quirky situation and maybe in um, the States you've got, I know you've got paratransit as an example, but we got a system called Total Mobility where we can travel half price with taxis because of our disability and the additional cost of taxis. And for the duration until 30 June, disabled people were able to travel free by taxis. So uh, that was because we went, it was acknowledged that we could not, once we went out of lockdown, 
manage social and physical distancing properly on buses and trains. I mean, can you imagine your dog would find a seat, but it'll probably be next to someone, or if you find someone with a cane, that you have to, um, you almost have to find someone before you can social distance. So um, that was really an amazing opportunity for us to still go out shopping and to medical appointments. And once the uh, lockdown was ended at the beginning of June, allowed to go and visit friends and go to restaurants again. So um, I think it's a huge learning curve. And I think the, we're still experiencing the fallout. Uh, we're very fortunate in New Zealand that we exist out of a couple of islands. So we could literally lock down um, and reopen. And we just hope for the best because although we've got no um, community transition at the moment, we have started to let uh, citizens back into the country and they are now being quarantined because some of them have got COVID-19. So clearly it's hard for them to be um, uh, distanced from the rest of us here in New Zealand. We're only just over 5 million people. So I think it's a bit felt that, you know, um, uh, it's a bit close to home of, of a few people starting to get it. But I want to extend my my best wishes and my condolences with all of you in the States, because I realized that uh, for a large country with so many different borders and states and uh, state governments and different policies, that it is very hard to get on top of, a, of um, a very debilitating condition. And people feel uh, the economy and people's livelihoods are being impacted. So back to World Blind Union matters, briefly what we're focusing on the moment um, to do with access to the environment and transport is existing issues such as, uh, of course, access to shared spaces, quiet vehicles. Uh, we all know the um, dangers around trying to cross the road. And if you can't hear that there is a, a car coming, you can actually have the best of hearing and still place yourself in a dangerous situation. So uh, we work with one of your American colleagues, Frederick Schroeder. He's doing our representation at, uh, at UN level about that. We also don't just want to focus on, on current existing problems because the reality is that in many countries, footpaths, buses, trains, sidewalks, it will always be an issue. So we also focus on future opportunities such as self-driving and autonomous vehicles. Because the reality is before not too long, we will have the opportunity as blind people to access self-driving vehicles. But in order for that to happen, we will have to have, need to have an accessible machine human interface so that when we're in a vehicle, apart from knowing where everything is, it will know where we need to go to or if we need to disrupt the journey, how to we converse with the vehicle. Um, nowadays, all the technology is touchscreen pads and we all know with whiteware and other technology how hard that is. So we're working with vehicle manufacturers and state legislators around that because we don't want to be 258 blind pe million blind people across the world. We don't want to lose out. This can be life changing for most of us. Also, something new in February, uh, under my guidance, my work group's guidance, we um, at World Blind Union adopted an e-scooter and micro, de micro mobility device 
policy because clearly with e-scooters and all sorts of uh, devices on sidewalks it is dangerous because again you can't hear them people park them they lie all over the the, the crosswalks i know in europe south america australia new zealand those are real issues are those e-scooters again we can have all the mobility independent skills we need to and want to but if we stumble across uh, barriers such as e-scooters or if we can't hear them and um, they disrupt us it can really be life-threatening so um, it's really interesting time so yes we have to do with the, the good old favorite buses and trains um, matters but we also try to focus on the future so that we're not always playing and catch-up mode but so that we are um, you know proactive and working with industry and vehicles and vehicle companies. And another final area, of course, is international yeah. travel with guide dogs. Yeah. I've traveled last year to um, NFB, so it was 12 hours from Auckland to LA with my dog, yeah. and then just under a couple of hours to, to Las Vegas. I don't know who was the who was the happiest to get to Las Vegas, me to rest, <laughs> or the dog that is, you know, so I had to starve her for, for, for 24 hours before I got on the plane, and once I got to LA, I could give her a snack, and there was a, um, an airside, yeah. an airside uh, dog relief area, which was really great. So you know we're working, and it was really hard. It cost me uh, in the vicinity of two thousand New Zealand dollars for her to travel, and it's not. It's mostly because of paperwork, not even because of a lot of um, medication and vaccinations coming back from the states. So thank you again for letting me present to you. Um, I want to end with a proverb, and it's a Maori proverb. Don't worry, I'll say it in yeah. English. And, um, because I believe proverbs can really sum up the situation we're in. And COVID-19 has really forced us to think without face-to-face -face and, and physical contact, how can we still be um, linked with one another? And this is an ancient proverb because when... Maori tribes traveled from Melanesia and Polynesia to New Zealand and they only had the stars in their kayaks and canoes. They probably never thought they would meet up with one another again. So, and, and the, proverb, the proverb is, in spite of the distance, it's the horizon that connects us. And I'd yeah. like to leave us with that because it is the horizon that connects us. And hopefully before not too long, we'll be able, able to catch up face to face and in person not be able to spend some some proper time with you all again thank you for this opportunity oh my gosh thank you so much martin that's so sweet and 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 profound and thank you and uh, i know i know as i said a couple of times earlier today people are um if 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 only in their minds um getting up out of their lazy boys and getting up out of their um far too comfortable couches and giving you a, a round of applause so thank you so much for that those are those are sweet thoughts um janet i know we probably have a couple of questions but my question first um martin to you is this i know uh that the uh world blind union meets every four years i think this summer was supposed to be the quadrennium in madrid and uh and i know um a number of I was not expected to go, but a number of folks who were expected to go were really looking forward to that. And then, of course, we we have this COVID situation. 
Um, I think you touched on this just a tiny bit, but just spend a moment talking about um, what the hot topics would have been this summer and what you think the hot topics in the World Blind Union um, are these days. Yes, thank you. We had to make the call to postpone it for a year. So hopefully that'll give more people the opportunity to save up. And hopefully by May next year, we'll be able to meet up in Madrid. We really hope for the best. Um, you know, some of the hot topics I've touched on is to do with modern technology, mobile apps, um, you know, how we, how we deal with the um, smart cities how we deal with uh, uh, smart speakers and finding out information. Before you leave your home, you can ask uh, how long it will be to travel somewhere, where are local health places, where are local bus stops, etc. I've touched on self-driving and autonomous um, connected vehicles. Uh, we still deal, unfortunately, with um, the elite of us, with less than 5% of blind people, actually having education opportunities and with, and with um, uh, 65 percent of working age blind people being unemployed so although we are in the most amazing situation um, technology wise we need to look after our neighbors and people around us and really trying to influence things so no, martin martin what that means is that you're saying that all of us who are listening to this right now we're, we're among the elite i am unfortunately I, I am but the first time someone told me this i felt i felt a bit bad and then i thought afterwards we are but now we've got a responsibility because of that amen <laughs> amen amen you know, and, and you know, so so we so we, but hopefully, COVID nineteen also taught us that we more people can work from home, more people can do because I know there's so many people that say, oh, I can't work because I can't travel, and my employer need me to travel, and hopefully, there's been the realization that uh, with technology, um, and in a in a difficult physical environment, we can still there's a lot of um, remote connectedness. We can so we have to take the best of this situation. And then one last question for me, and then Jen, I'll toss the ball over to you. And that is, uh, uh, Martine, I mean, so as you know, in America these days, we're really, we're really struggling um, with, with a lot of uh, challenges. And uh, ACB has gone on the record that Black Lives Matter, a number of oh, awesome. organizations yep. have gone on the record uh, yeah. saying that that's really critical for us. And of course, in the World Blind Union, I, I, I personally have never uh, attended any of the international meetings, but certainly as someone who's a, a policy nerd and who's followed uh, the WBU over the years, I, you know, of course, this has been a concern to me and to all of us who, who look at um, those of us who are in positions of privilege. And uh, I would just be interested in your sort of reflections on um, what you're seeing or what folks from outside of our uh, continental United States or outside of our, our 50 US, what, what, what y'all are seeing and from the, the blindness and vision impairment perspective, yeah, any I reflections must say you that, have? Yeah, yeah, look, um, look, the media shows us, um, we all know the media, <laughs> the media shows us the, 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 um, the, the, how can I say, the, the things that, that is, um, uh, um, what people want to see and it's often, the, mm -hmm. the uh, gore, well, it's often gory, and it's often, you know, if it's not about Donald Trump tweeting, it's usually Donald Trump tweeting. But yeah. fortunately or unfortunately, you know, whether it's Donald Trump tweeting or not, yes. we have been um, 
um, inundated with the um, with with the with the news about uh, George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And of yeah. course, it spiraled to other countries in the world too. So I think, um, which is great because I think we all need to be in solidarity, whatever the causes we find. Um, you know, we, we need to stand together and. Um, um, you know, so I, I think it, it is very hard to see people in the situation and, of course, thinking, should they go on a protest and will they maybe infect someone or won't they infect someone yeah. and will they place themselves in danger? So um, our thoughts are really with you, but our thoughts are also reflecting on our own um, behaviour because um, nothing... Um, you know, the saying goes, if my neighbor's house is on fire, it's my problem too. So, yeah. um, you know, so it's, I can't say, oh, I'm happy here in Auckland and we didn't have a similar situation quite yet or we had in the past, but not in the last two weeks, mm -hmm. something like that. I mean, we had the Christchurch mosque bombing um, just That's over right. a year ago That's and we right. couldn't do, we couldn't celebrate or, or commemorate yeah. people's survival yeah. after a year because we told people they can't get together physically, which was very hard because people wanted to get together physically so yeah no we all need to reflect and i think we all just have to think um be kind and and, and our thoughts go out to one another well and especially uh, given given where you physically live geographically right it, it's not it's not a it's not a usa versus whatever problem or internal usa problem this is a globally speaking north Absolutely. and south problem i mean yeah. and it's and, and i think i think the worldwide union as an organization reflects that. Um, Janet, oh, we how, have you, how, how are we doing with questions? Well, we do have, a, I have one question from Pam Coffey who said she didn't catch at the beginning of your information where you were born. She said she knew where you got your education oh. where you live now. Oh, right. I was born in Namibia. It used to be called Southwest Africa. Um, it used to be a German colonized little place next to South Africa. And of course, after the Second World War, South Africa had control of it. And then in about 1989, they declared independence and they changed their name to Namibia because of the Namib Desert. The Namib Desert is one of the three biggest deserts in the world. So, um, yeah, so I, um, so yes, N Namibia, which sounds very exotic and far away. <laughs> <laughs> and then, are, are, are you are you familiar, uh, Martine, with the with the, the skit from the nineteen seventies, which Dan Spoon will be grateful I'm not going to imitate right now. Uh, but uh, for, uh, from from the um, Saturday Night Live, and his is the comedian is Garrett Morris, and he talks about um, he he does this wonderful South African slash German accent in talking about how he needs to recruit folks to donate their fondue sets for this uh, no. South African cut. Yeah. You no, look, look unfortunately or fortunately, I'm a bit young. I have missed out on that. So everybody's listening online. I would need to hear on. that. <laughs> you, you should. You should You should Google Garrett Morris and fondue sets in Namibia. And, okay. And I, 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 I guarantee will. you, it, it's, it's, it's lovely. It's lovely. I, I, I will. I, I really will. Thank you for that. All right. <laughs> Janet, next. And well, time-wise, Mark, I don't know. I was going to ask about a great production that was in New Zealand that I've been hearing about of mm -hmm. Romeo and Juliet that was an audio description. Oh, I don't know yeah. if you have just a minute or two to talk about that. That would be great. 
A couple of years ago, um, we had an auto-described company, a, a, um, a blind guy and his sighted wife starting up an auto-described company, and they decided to do ballet for the first time because, and they thought they'd give us a masterclass first because by the time you describe ballet moves, it's moved on to the next seven things, you know. So for the first time, we had uh, Romeo and Juliet performed as a ballet. Blind people were invited to go beforehand. We had a look at um, at the at some props and at the actors and at each other. And we, we looked at how would you plie and how would you point. And it was all very interesting. You can imagine all the hands-on fun that we had and all the terms. And so that by the time it started, we could understand what is happening, not just the story, but almost visualize what's happening. And then when COVID set in, Again, we had on the uh, our radio and TV these ballets. And of course, then we had to think, how are we going to let people still value that? And the same agency company, Audio Described, Aotearoa, then devised a system with through a private YouTube and Facebook channels that they could either live record or pre-record. And then when we listen in, we can hear the audio described track at the same time. And I believe some of you, uh, we, 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 we had it, uh, we didn't have a closed source. We had it, um, we, we opened the e-borders because we wanted to share it with the world, how we can have access That's to nice. ballet ourselves so, we, so that we can enjoy the same entertainment that others are. So we were very fortunate in being able to bring that to the rest of the world, really. That's so nice. Well, Martine, thank you so, so much. It's a, a, a lovely to hear your voice. And uh, what did you say at the beginning? It's a mix of, of uh, oh gosh, uh, <laughs> Marie and the, the, like there were two or three other things in the recipe. Yeah, no, it's Kiwi, it's New Zealand, it's South African. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very mixed. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So there, there's so many people who I, I, I know are enjoying listening to you. And thank you so much for your comments. I really appreciate it. And I know we all do. So God bless and thank you. And and go back to sleep. It's time to go back to bed. Oh, I'm awake now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, everybody. All right. Okay, bye-bye. All right, friends, well, it's that time in the program where we are done with our uh, official presentations, but I know we have uh, these lovely things called door announcements, as well as uh, door announcements, door prizes, as well as announcements. Janet, I think I'm supposed to turn it over to you first for door prizes. You can. I thought it was I thought it was the other way around. but Well, that's all right. We're just going to be a little flexible. All right. I've got some great door prizes here. And I've got $25 from the North Dakota Association for the Blind. And that is going to Judy Davis of North Carolina. I also have a yeah. tablet bag from the mini mall donated by Kentucky. Bag? A tablet bag is a bag that will carry your tablet. And I can read a little description of it <laughs> if you'd like me to take <laughs> no, time. But it is it's a great small bag that's perfect for your iPad and note taker. I don't and know if that, it was for the two tablets of the Ten Commandments. No, that's what I nope. And that is going to Nathan Ruggles of Pennsylvania. Nathan Ruggles? What, yep. that, that's, what an incredible name. How do you get and, names like that? I don't have a name like that. How do you, Nathan Ruggles. That's awesome. And Kimberly Kirkus from what? New Jersey is getting a has a gift that was donated from Florida Council of the Blind, $50 in cold, hard cash. 
Marquez. Can I do one more? Oh, that was good. Look, listen to that. Yeah. And I'll do one right. more. I've got $50 from my state of Minnesota. And that Minnesota. is going to Leola Campbell of Louisiana. Yeah. And I think I better let us get to announcements. And I then if you have time for a second, we can do another. Yeah, price. we'll probably do another way. Minnesota down to Louisiana. That sounds like that's that's a cultural whiplash if there ever was one. And I'm just right, thinking so. that if I were if we were doing Delaware prizes and we were asking David Trump to do the Delaware prizes, it would probably be spelled D O U G H E R Delaware Delaware prizes. But of course, what do I know? I'm just a Yankee boy. David Trout, over to you for announcements, sir. Good morning. And I noticed that uh, you guys can call my name for announcements, but you don't know it when the door prizes come up. <laughs> And also, I do realize that, that Mark Mark can't talk plain, but, you know, he's doing the best he can. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. Yeah, you are. Yes, good sir. Good afternoon from a place I never thought I'd be able to say this to ACB, but good afternoon from Talladega, Alabama. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the home of the great Talladega 500. I guess they're still out there. We hope they leave. But anyway, um, you've heard some great programming this morning. Uh, you've had some great programming since Friday going on, and we'd like to offer you the opportunity to help with funding this programming and the other great programs of ACB. Yes, sir. If you heard Cindy Van Winkle, uh, I'm sorry, Cindy Hollis this morning, uh, you heard the great work she's doing, and all these programs take funding, and we have some good funding coming in, but we also like to engage our membership in helping with that funding as well. So I may get in trouble for my first announcement, but it does help yeah. ACB, and uh, it is kind of a promotion for the company, but they are helping ACB this year. Hems <laughs> is raffling off an orbit, an or, uh, no, I'm sorry, a cube rail, XL, braille display for $20 a chance, and all the proceeds from those chances will go to the American Council of the Blind. <laughs> also, if you buy a cube rail, you will automatically be entered and if you win, 100% of your purchase price will be refunded. And that's my advertisement for today. Good okay. Job. Tomorrow night, I'm in my easy chair getting ready for the easy chair option. <laughs> and if you're registered, you can join us by Zoom. You'll be sent Zoom information. And if not, you can listen to us live on ACB radio. And we look forward to you attending the auction. You can go to the ACB convention page and get a list of the auction items. Uh, Leslie and team have done a great job this year of putting together some auction items. And when you talk to her also, tell her how much you enjoyed the ACB appetizer auction. It raised a couple of thousand dollars this year and it's new and kind of unique. Of course, everything's unique this year. Isn't, <laughs> isn't that the truth? Right. That's right. The, the Braille Forum raffle is coming up. It's doing great this year. You still have the opportunity to come on board. You can buy raffle ticket for $50, or you can join with up to four of your friends, and the price will be divided out equally. The prizes are $500, $1,000, and of course, $5,000 for you yeah. or your affiliate. You know, if your affiliate buys one and they win, uh, we've had individual winners and affiliate winners. This has been a great fundraiser over the years, but we want to top it this year. We've got a special yeah. conference. We want a special Braille form raffle. So yeah. come and join us. 
And last but not least today. Yes, sir. Three, two, one. That's right, folks. Three, two, one. That's the goal of the MMS program. This year, we want to get to 321 participants. It's easy for you to participate. It doesn't cost very much. For as little as $10 a month, you can join the MMS, and you can pick an affiliate of your choice, either state or special interest, to receive half of that donation. It is processed by the American Council of the Blind's office in Minneapolis, so you don't have to worry about dividing it up. We do all that for you. We process your credit card, and we're taking care of you. Remember, three, two, one. Oh, and by the way, each day, I've got a special prize for everybody, or actually the committee does, but I want to take credit for it. Um, <laughs> um, each day, we'll give away a, a pretty good size gift card. And at the end of the convention, actually late next month, after everything has been processed, we will announce our grand prize winner of a new iPhone. So today's winner, uh, I'm going to mess this up, I'm sure. Suzanne Erb of Pennsylvania, $100 gift card. And Mark, you know, you and I are kind of the guys that like to get a chuckle, everybody, out yes, of everybody. Sir. Are yes, you sir. finding this a little more difficult this year? Oh, yeah. There's no audience reaction, man. It's just, I don't know. Well, at you least know. I've got you. <laughs> <laughs> you poor Thank you, everybody. Y'all who who, who knows? You know, you're like, that's it. You only got me. That's terrible. That's yeah, it is. And David, this is Dan. I just want to remind everybody that they can also email uh, either George Holiday or Gene Mann through a special email address we've got set up for this week to make their uh, donation to the monthly monetary support program, MMS. And that email address is askacbmms at gmail.com. So A-S-K-A-C-B. MMMS at gmail.com. So, so, uh, so Janet, how are we doing on time? What's 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 your oh, watch say? Mark, Mark excuse oh, me, just go ahead. I got go one ahead. more thing. Yep. Uh, yes, sir. I had go just ahead. actually wrote down and skipped over it. I was looking at you and it kind of threw me. Right. Um, <laughs> the yes, phone sir. number, if you want to purchase a Braille form raffle ticket or get information yeah, from MMS, that. is 612 332 3242. Again, that's 612-332-3242. And by now, the way, a, if I have the phone, wrong phone number, I'm sure Janet will correct me. Thank you, well, folks. Either that or it, it, it's going off to some, you know, call in the Caribbean to God knows well, that, that is the Minneapolis number. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> there you go. Thank you. And, and David and Mark, I also wanted to just mention that one final announcement. We had a wonderful a walk, walking up a storm virtually uh, yesterday evening before the opening session, but it's not too late to still donate to the ACB Brenda Dilla Memorial Walk. Okay. Well, I know that Tony is having some kind of a server issue. Oh, I'm glad it's not all me today. <laughs> I don't know what, I think my cat changed my sound card settings in the night. Oh, the cat. Somebody, <laughs> something, little yes. elves at work. Anyway, Jason, thank you so much for helping out today with streaming. Um, Absolutely. You don't look like me, but wow. <laughs> you sure do run that control board well. Well, I, I'm, I'm doing my best. My, my, I have my little corner desk and, and my mixer's on one side, my mic's on the other, my computer's in the middle. I'm just, Hello, everybody. I'm, 
Hey, hey there we go. Oh, we were muted. Wow. Here oh, we how terrible. are together. Yes. Woo. Wow. <laughs> I so. want to say many thanks, uh, Mark Reichert. So good to hear you on the air. Thank you for a wonderful general session. Uh, and thank you to all of the presenters in that. And David, I keep getting closer to you and I having a conversation, David Trott. Um, but good to hear you on the air. And uh, good to hear everybody. Karen Ken Kenninger. Uh oh, Tony, don't go away. Says you left the meeting. I'm still oh. here. I oh, good. The meeting. I'm still here, I hope. <laughs> That might have been, okay. we have as well myself coming in. We have our special guest linked in. So I've cloned myself with our guest for the day with Gene and That's George good. from MMS. Because it's okay. MMS and Membership Monday. So That's I hope I'm here. Yes. There we go. Is that Gene? Yep, it's Gene. Hey, Gene. Good. George, are you there too? <laughs> I think he's supposed to join us. Well, maybe that's Gene dialing in. Uh, but hey, Gene, welcome. Gene Thank you. Mann, who's co-chair of our membership uh, monetary support committee. We'll be with you in just a minute, Gene, as we're getting set up for the show here. So, okay. What a wonderful morning and, and what an awesome last night. I was just, you know, uh, what are they say you know like when you're learning to ride a bike and you know sometimes you fall off but you get right back up and get on our listener stats uh tony have been awesome today i thought i saw over 550 on the stream and i think as many as maybe 212 on zoom that is just really really great all around awesome um so I'm just very proud. I just love this organization. I just love ACB. I am so proud and so grateful to all of you who are hanging in there with us with our little tech challenges. Uh, so happy to hear, oh, I heard Sheila on earlier. And of course, Dan, that was an awesome report last night. Yeah, Carla, sure, come on in. I don't know. Uh, you, you know, just hang, come on in and hang out with us. Yeah. Um, Dan, just great job last night and this morning. Um, just all around. I love it. Jason, wonderful national anthem. I've heard from a number of people who, you know, that was um, my dear friend and uh, partner in, uh, I, I could say crime, but <laughs> partner in Broadcasting, Jason, your lovely national anthem. So glad you're still there. Wonderful, so yeah, glad you're that was here. fantastic. Oh, there you are. All right. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm back. I was, I was letting okay. you finish your thought. Yeah, so. just wonderful. Wonderful. It was great. We had, yeah, we had the, the, the last night's event. We know it was delayed for folks. We'll call it a rain delay. It was sort of raining <laughs> yeah. down here in DC. So. But yeah, we we had a lot of fun in that in that you know that that short span of three hours last night. Uh, and this morning was exciting. It was nice to hear. Mark Reichert, who I used to work with so much on Capitol Hill, um, to hear him leading the helm today. And he did an excellent job there. And also, you know, really did a lot of, you know, uh, moving people around in a sense. It used to be we'd have all these people on stage. And Joe Lynn, who would work up on the stage, sort of behind the scenes as our stage manager, she's been working hard behind the scenes, she virtually sure making sure people are on. So it was great hearing from Karen. And we heard from New Zealand this morning. And we got to hear from some excellent scholarship uh, recipients. So. Indeed. So yeah, it's been some good content. It's 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 almost like uh, like the convention came to me this year. Just relaxing. I know. I think that's true. Oh, I I hear that we have some hands raised, and they might be some of our presenters. I told Carla okay. to go ahead and come on in. 
Um, I don't know who is working. Is it Rick? Are you Carla still on the webinar right side? Uh, I don't know who's working that, but Kelly's checking go. in on it right now. All right. Yay, Kelly. Us, so. Oh, Kelly. Thank you. Thank Carla, you for all that Well, we got do. Jean and Jean is live. Yeah. Um, hey, Jean. Hey, Jean. Are you still there? I'm still here. Excellent. Oh, you're so patient. So, Thank you. <laughs> So one of the exciting things that we have going on is, uh, you know, today's Membership Monday and MMS Monday. We heard an excellent report from Cindy Hollis this morning, really on, on the state of affairs for membership and all the exciting things going on, the rise of the ACB community and all those fun things. Uh, what we, you know, also wanted to do today as well is, you know, being a member is, is one of the ways that helps sustain the American Council of the Blind. We would be nothing without our members, right? I think it's pretty fair to say. So, but, you know, for one of the things that is an exciting program also that our members help sustain the organization, and not just our members, but anybody can do this, is what's called the MMS. And so we brought in Jean, who's one of the co-chairs for our MMS committee that I am extremely fortunate to work with. And she's going to share with us just for a minute or two about what MMS is and some of the things involved and how people can help. Uh, you know, sometimes just, it's like public radio, right? I feel like this is a uh, so I don't want to make ACB radio become a public radio NPR station or something, but, you know, sometimes uh, folks can maybe give an extra dollar or two a month and that money adds up when we look at it collectively. So Gene, tell us a little bit about, uh, well, first off, uh, who are you? Where, are you? where are you calling us from? Where are you dialing in from for Zoom? And, uh, I'm Gene uh, and Mann. What is, what is MMS? I'm Gene Mann and I live in Albany, New York. And I'm sorry, I do not have a headset. No, you sound fine though. Go ahead. So and um, so you're going to hear Jaws every now and then. Mm -hmm. um, okay. the MMS is the Monthly Monetary Support Program. And what it is, and it's funny you mentioned uh, and the National Public Radio, because I was thinking about PBS the other day and how they hound you all the time for money. And um, we, we don't want to hound you all the time, but, but we would like it if you could support us. Uh, all we ask is a minimum of $10 a month. If you can give more than that, we appreciate it, but we know that not everybody can. So we, we do need a minimum of $10 a month. Um, if you're already giving and you'd like to increase your donation, we ask for a minimum of $5 a month. Now, whatever you give, you can split between ACB and an affiliate of your choice. And then if you wanna to give to more than one affiliate, you do have to sign up with ACB each time. We've had a couple of people do that. So you can do this anytime by calling the Minneapolis office, but, and a couple of you have done that. Um, we recommend that you call this week. We have a phone number and an email address you can use because if you call this week, you're eligible to win a uh, $100 gift card. We're gonna do drawings every day from now till Friday. And we already had our first winner this morning. Her name is Suzanne Herb, she's from Pennsylvania. Congratulations, she, um, Suzanne. Yes, she called us and George said to say he did not pick her name and he didn't because George is from Pennsylvania also, Holiday. George Holiday. So anyway, um, you, can, you can call um, a number. It's area code 202-743-0755. Or you can email us at ask, A-S-K, A-C-B-M-M-S, all one word, at gmail.com. And we will take your information, your name, your phone number, your email address, what you wanna give if you're increasing your donation or if you're a first time person. And um, after and how much you wanna give. And then after the convention, 
the Minneapolis office will contact you um, and get your credit card information or your checking account, which reminds me you can, they'll deduct the money every month, either from your checking account or they'll charge it to your credit card. We recommend you use your checking account if you have one because credit cards, you know, every couple of years, the, the expiration date changes and that little code changes. And then you have to remember to call in and tell uh, the Minneapolis office staff. And some people forget to do that and then we lose them. We don't want to lose anybody. So um, I, I, the, again, everybody who joined the convention, everybody who joined the MMS program or increased their donation sometime between the end of the 2019 convention. And if you do it by the end of this convention, you'll be eligible to win an iPhone 11. And we'll, we'll draw that probably sometime, you know, September maybe after everybody's information has been processed and we've received your first payment because we don't want you to, um, to, to say you're gonna join and then, you know, drop out you know, we want to we want to at least get a payment out of you before we draw that grand prize. We hope we hope we hope we'll get more than one payment. We don't really want anybody to drop out, but if you Jean, have to, we understand. Yes, I just wanted to say that. Um, well, first of all, we have your latest promo uh, in our rotation with our exhibits, and it sounds. And Doug Hunsinger did a great job with it. But you that. know, when this. When this program started, I remember thinking, oh gosh, we already pay dues. How come they're asking for more money? I'm already, um, you know, I'm already a member. How come they're asking for more? And, you know, I guess what I would say to that, that I finally realized is, you know, it's, it's a live, the organization is a living, thriving body, a body of all of us. And a body needs to be fed. And it's like, we need to eat and our dogs need to eat. And our organization needs to keep having that life blood running through it to keep it sustaining. So I just wanted to offer that for anyone who struggles with that, because that's what I finally came to realize that, you know, our dogs need to be fed. We do too. And so does our organization. I hope that helps. And it's exciting well, and, because and, the MMS is able, uh, we're, we're just under $100,000 each year from MMS. So that's a significant it, amount of money that comes in addition to like membership dues. And it's, it, it just shows, I think, <coughs> the giving charity, the, the, the generosity of our members and other people that are our friends that want to be able to give more. Is that George I'm hearing also? Yes, it is. Hey, George. It, it is. Good evening. And, and also, just a quick thing, you figure, you figure our dues is only $5. And when you look at all the expenses that ACB has, um, $5 just doesn't cover it. And I've also been told that when, when we apply for grants, that one of the questions they like to ask is, you know, how much money are you raising and how much do your members give? And so it, it every, diversifies every little, our revenue. Yeah. That's one of the things. Yeah. That, so every really little bit that you can give helps. Profit, yeah. Yeah. So let's welcome George as well. George is the other co-chair for the MMS. Hey, George, he's the one that if you call that 202-743-77, what is it, George? Five, five? Five So we'll say that again. 202-743-0755. You'll get That's the correct. rich, dulcet tones of George Holiday. Uh, thanks, George. Tony. I want to apologize because after David spoke, I got kicked out. That's fine. <laughs> and, he, and he was talking about MMS, so I called back in. That's where uh, <clears throat> Gene was speaking. So. Yeah. 
Hello to everyone. Hey, everybody. Hey, and everybody. I will say, Tony, that the phone lines aren't very busy. Now, somebody just called in, but I got to call them back. But as of today, since convention uh, registration started, we have approximately 30 people who either are new, new person signing up and people increasing. I'll break that down later on in the week and let everyone know what's, what, what the figures are. Excellent. Well, thank you, George, and thank you, Gene, for the hard work you all are doing. Again, uh, Gene, the email is? Ask, A-S-K, A-C-B-W-M-S at gmail.com. And that ask ACBMMS is all one word. Yeah, and that's that's not a WMS, it's MMS. So ask MMS as in monthly monetary yeah, support. Monetary support at gmail.com. And George, the phone number one more time. You would have done it to me. 202. Uh, 202-743-0755. There we go. Didn't mean to put you and on the And I'm sitting here waiting for your call. Just like public radio. So That's right. And that yes. the money helps keep things like public our, our ACB radio. The money helps support. It does. You know, that's it's a it's a ACB radio is a project of the American Council of the Blind. So, all right, thank you both. We'll let you go and, and have a fantastic rest of the week for convention. And thanks for taking time on. Uh, we're calling MMS Monday. Everybody, try to sign up. Get those calls into George or emails to Gene, so you have a chance to win a prize, just like thanks Suzanne did. So. Coming in, yes. Yeah, thank you. Thank Bye you, night, Tony. Debbie. Thanks, Debbie. Keep, keep up the good work, Tony. Thank you. You all too. Who else do we have? Do we have anyone is else? Carla Wait, in? Carla? Is Carla I thought I saw that she left. She came in. Carla is here, but in. couldn't connect to audio. So uh, mm. we're trying to work with that. Okay. And, well, we got uh, a mini minute plug. We there must be something in the air today. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's, it's like the movie Gremlins. <laughs> Radio Gremlins. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I just, I mean, Carla was just so wonderful last night, keeping in touch with me with everything mm -hmm. that was going on. And, oh, I don't think I ever had so many texts as I had this morning. <laughs> I know. My, I, it was a, uh, <laughs> a new way to new way to make sure we're hyper connected to the world that's right that's right i think we're testing so, people you know I, I think we're trying to see who's paying attention <laughs> so wow. we've got uh i know we're going to try be trying to jump off in a few minutes here to set minutes, up our stream yeah. for bpi mm -hmm. we've got yes BPI you are and i'm going second, to the i think what do you got the aavl I feel like it's in college the first day when you get your, it's like, oh, so what's in your, what's your schedule for today? What, what classes do you have? That's right. Yeah. So you've got AAVL, the. Uh, yes. And then I'm going to try to also sneak loss. into the guide dog one. If I can get in there on my phone while I'm oh, streaming, yeah. I'm going to try. And humanware just wrote, and I just sent you that. They're wondering if we're going to, if they're going to be able to use video this evening. I I don't know. I think we should be able to be good with uh, the facilitator. So. We'll touch base with the facilitators okay. and make sure it's coming through right for people. All so. right. Okay. And we got to remember to thank Humanware with Victor Street. Oh, I, which is I one of the know. ways you can listen to the convention. So thank yes. you, Humanware. Thanked him a few times this morning. It. Well, yep. I tried to. And then, and then, we well, I played their promo. It. Yeah. <laughs> That's why there's two of us here. That's why <laughs> well, you travel. That's why, like, Mormons are, right. are people that do, you know, evangelical people all around the world. They always travel in twos because if one gets, you know, Attacked by crocodiles or something. You have another person to help carry the. We board. could make some very funny skits out of some of these these bloopers and things. Very funny things that have yeah. happened over the last couple of days. Oh my gosh! Well, you know, though it's it is we literally necessity is the mother of invention. We our, our need was to really have a convention, and we yeah. have 
uh, we've sort of created something. I mean, because, you know, other people have been trying to do these virtual conventions, but I, I dare to say, when you think of how many people are streaming, how many of our folks are people who are blind or visually impaired, um, I think it's a, it's a huge testament as to the power and empowerment of people with disabilities that too. we, as the American Council of the Blind, are able to pull off something with 108 events, 249 hours of content, four radio streams, I'm exhausted just thinking about it, as I'm sure you and Jason are as well. I know. Well, yeah, at times, and then at other times, just super excited, like you, running on adrenaline. And, you know, I know we didn't hear from Mark for a while, and then we hear from Mark just back as though, you know, he, he was actively with us all the time. And that's just the beauty of, it's the beauty of technology, and it's also the resilience of people in our organization just you know, we, sometimes we go to so many different places and so many different ventures and changes. And then, and then voila, there we are. Did I hear someone else just come in? Carla, are you there yet? No, I just popped the nope. mic real quick to oh, ask Kelly a question. Okay. Sorry. All right. Well, um, just all around awesome. I just am super, super proud um, of everyone working so hard. And I think our numbers show that people are enjoying and wow. I mean, we had over 700 this morning that That's tuned incredible. in. Wow. So, yes, indeed. We wow. certainly did between zoom and our stream. We, we have, and I just am super proud. And Rick, oh my God, Rick uh, was yeah. attempting to help me this morning and just. See, this is, <sighs> this is my fear is that you know, because I don't know if we've had 700 people at, at, you know, coming out of a, people come out of a break during regular general session at the convention. And yeah. a lot of people maybe start, you know, going into the city to sightsee or something like that, explore a little. But, um, but yeah, 700 people for the, for the, you know, for the virtual, it's impressive. It is. Well done, everybody still staying in on the webinar and well done for everybody listening on ACB Radio now. Thank you for giving us your time because we know it's, it's summer and, and uh, a lot yeah. of country people can finally start to step out a little. Um, some places not so easily, but but we're thankful that you're spending your time with us today. So thank you. Oh, people are lowering their hands. It sounded like a Carla. Oh, they're all lowering their is hands. Carla lowering her hands, Kelly. Do you see Carla? Oh, somebody's raised Carla. Can you? Let's no, I was up. trying to get other hands out of the way because oh. I want oh. to see if Patty joins. Um, Patty might be helping Carla. Okay. And okay. Uh, do you see her though? She is there. Uh, yeah, Kelly I see she's there, she but she's not Carla. connected. Well, all to I can audio. tell you is if we don't oh hear God. from her, uh, I just want you to know the mini mall is the place to go because there is so much cool stuff at the mini mall. And, and I know that if, if I know that I'll get there, I might even call in today. So if you want the cool stuff, you better come in or I might go and buy it all. <laughs> no. So, so Patty, if you are here, please uh, raise your hand. We love the mini mall. We love the mini mall. Yeah. Boy, did I spend money there last year. Holy cow. I didn't want to spend it on a lot of other things. I kept saying, I don't want to spend all my money. And I'd go over to the mini mall and then not be able to resist cool stuff. Patty, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, Tony, are you going to keep, are you going to pick up the stream here shortly? We're going to try because um, you got to jump off and get your stream started. I yeah. think we're going to be late for class. 
Um, is it automated? Are we going to jump into some music real quick, or how how are we going to have the break right now? The, the it's going to just switch. I mean, it takes like a less than a minute to switch. We didn't put in for a break. Let's do this um, then. Let's let's see if we can pop in real quick. Um, I want to thank everybody. Thank Humanware, but thank everybody for listening in. If you're tuned into this, and uh, bear with us so as we much. make a transition to get ready for the next stream. And Kelly, uh, hold on one sec, everybody. Oh, so I know that Tony and I will be on again tonight. I think it's at 9 p.m. after the last uh, prime time. After prime time, uh, we will be in to have a nightcap with you and wrap up the day. And then um, I think since Jason... <laughs> jumped in for me this morning with all those silly gremlins. I will uh, in all likelihood pick it up uh, for him tomorrow morning. Uh, and we just keep sharing the work. That's great teamwork. Our production team has been working like crazy, getting the podcast feed updated with over a hundred hours of convention material already in the uh, convention podcast feed. Very, very cool. Let's see, Tony, are you? We just tried to join and it said the system is currently being used. I think well, that's that, that means I need yeah. to get out. So, yeah. or Jason needs to get out. So we will, uh, we'll just get out and see what happens. All right. All right. Thank Hang you. Hang in there. Hang still, you do we still have time for uh, Carla? Is uh, Carla no, there? We only have three minutes. Um, but I have to. Carla. What's our deal of the day? Is she? Does she have audio? Um, no, I got her here. I just need to. Allowed to talk. You could do a one minute mini mall, right? We'll do that. It's the mini mall minute. Carla, mm -hmm. it might have to be the mini mall mini mini minute. <laughs> okay, Patty, uh, you should be allowed to hey, talk Patty. and unmute. Are you there, Patty? Yes, I'm on Hey, the it literally is the mini mall minute. What's our special for the day? What's our deal of the day, Patty? You're live. The deal of the day is that all SD cards and flash drives are $3 oh. off. We have oh. the new phone stands. We also have a new t-shirt that does have the full color picture of cool. um, the official convention picture. And so you can give us a call at 877-969-MALL, which is 877-969-6255. And we will uh, help you spend your money. Awesome. 877-969-6255-969-MALL. I'm Patty, calling thank today. Thank you so much. We're thank glad you were able to get on. Thanks to Carla. Yes. Check thank out the deals today and thanks everybody. See All right, you we're tonight, be Tony. Off now. You too, Debbie. Yep, Bye, me everybody. too. All right. Gonna hand it thanks, off to Jason. you, Tony.